Hello. Big week. Huge week. Huge week. Huge. Do you, do you want to skip the follow up? Uh, what is the follow up? Um, oh, sorry. No. I should have warned you. No, yeah, we totally. No, we should totally do it. It's quick. Uh, hello. Um, follow up. Copyright John Syracuse, two thousand one. Um, uh, we got some follow up from a listener uh, at Sage Olson. Hello, Sage. Uh, and Sage. Uh, so this was in the context of me talking about, <clears throat> uh, well, you know, Rhode Island uh, results <laughs> and how my late mother in law had a habit of uh, giving funny words to things like calling breakfast brekkie and calling lobsters lobby. And I, I think, did you not say you don't have a lot of that in your family? I mean, not really. Not not like any, uh, not ones that an American would find surprising or unique like the ones you just described. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Sage sent us uh, a, a wonderful tweet and a wonderful link. At uh, Sage Olson says, the word you're looking for here is diminutive which gives me an opportunity to share one of my all-time favorite Wikipedia pages, which is the Wikipedia page for <laughs> diminutives in Australian English. I love that this exists. Diminutive forms of words are commonly used in everyday Australian English, while many dialects of English uh, make use of diminutives and hypochorisms, which is a new word for me. Uh, Australian English uses them more extensively than any other citation needed. <laughs> jumping ahead some forms have also spread outside of australia to other english-speaking countries there are over five thousand, five thousand identified diminutives in use in australian english and there are three citations for that did you look at this page yeah so this is the thing i did know i did know that the australians love to do this i just didn't know the word for it diminutive um it's a good word uh, brecky is right straight off that list uh lobby is not on this wikipedia page maybe because there's not a lot of lobsters in australia i don't know mm. hmm. they got spiders there they're like the steam steam spiders but this is not an exhausted list i'm sure and, th- and they include stuff like lefty which we use here like you know we have tons of these in america but Australia really goes over the top with it. Yeah, calling calling a, a croc a crocodile. Some of them are just downright silly. Mm-hmm. I think, like most most right thinking Americans, I do not like the letter W because it's the only letter of the English uh, alphabet that has three syllables. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, for, like I used to go, know a guy named uh, G W is what he went by, and I think his name was actually something like you know I don't know uh, Georg Watts or something. <laughs> So saying GW actually took more syllables, but you know, it's his choice. Call people what they want. But so for example, I think calling ACDC Akadaka, I mean, do you call them that? Do you call ACDC Akadaka? Uh, no, I do not. I like doing the opposite thing where you make a word longer. Like you yeah. would say, instead of Def Leppard, maybe you would say a definitely, def, definitely a Lepardian or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like reconcilably differentiated. Yeah, I know. <sighs> I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think I agreed to that. Yeah, uh, a cockatoo is a cocky. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, chewing gum, chewing gum is stupid. Chewing gum is chewy. Yeah, I mean, this whole section is where like like ninety percent of the words end in the e sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bullshy, brecky, brissy, bricky. Brody, oh, over there, brushy, they have a different word for everything. They call it delicatessen. They call it a deli or a, a deli. Mm-hmm. Did you know? Ever heard that mm-hmm. one? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. A deso is a designated driver. And a druggie is a word they use for uh, an illicit drug user, a druggie. Huh. Craney as a crane driver? Some of these are just <sighs> not good efforts. Yeah, I mean, you know, a flatty is a flat tire with a Y. You love that. You love stuff like that. 
Mm, yeah. Retire. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, uh, you can check it out. It'll be in show notes for this episode, relay.fm. Uh, you know, let's, let's get my, let's get my internet. I, I just wanted to point out that I'll, I'll, I'll do this very quickly because I just had to share this with John and because I shared it with John in the context of this program, I will share it with you, which is that I contacted some of my friends at uh, the Xfinity Cable Town Company and was able to, uh, to score a, a slight upgrade to my internet connectivity upgrade for a double D, a double dose of his pimping. Mm-hmm. I was able to, uh, I was able to accomplish uh, a higher speed right so my, my other package was 500 megabits down and i was able to get to the nominally 800 megabits down which was awesome and i showed you i think i sent you my speed tests and it's incredible i went from around 600 which is more than i should have gotten but you know cat 6a look it up i i went from 600 most of the time man that's that's pretty you don't usually get 600 it's usually more like three four five to over 900. John, I'm on coax and I am, I am just l- licking the railing right under gigabit internet and I'm loving it. But there's always a but. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember, John, uh, for, for our listeners, do you remember what my upload, upload capability was with my previous connection? Do you remember? I don't, but I remember it was abysmal. And this is my main question about your upgrade. Yeah. Do you know if the upgrade... Like, I'm sure they advertise it to you with the numbers that you just said. You had X amount, and now you can get X plus Y amount. You, that's more, right? Like, yes. they're advertising it to you with the download speed. Did they also advertise any increase at all in your upload speed? Um, No. But also, this was not... This is a long story, and I have so many long stories this week, I don't want to drag it out. But long story short, we were unable to... I was checking in on the house while we were gone, and I hadn't, you know, I was, I'm trying to be on quote unquote, unquote, quote unquote vacation. So I'm not stressing it, but I want to make sure like the lizard's lamp is on because he gets cold. And I just want to make sure the lights were turning off. You know, I got a really good Hue Labs that will vary uh, the times that lights go on and off. And it's pretty cool. I just want to check in. I was coming up all zeros. Nothing was happening. Long story short, as it turned out, of course, because we live in a hovel, our power had gone off, even though we were away because we blow one of those external fuses, shut up. And so we're working on it. But uh, the point is I ended up calling Comcast about it. Comcast said they couldn't do anything, understandably. Long story short, I, I had noticed when I logged into my account that one of my accounts wasn't that 800 account and the other was a 500. But I didn't, on the account where I had an upgraded upgraded modem, I wasn't getting... I was still on the 500 plan. At home where I don't have the faster modem, I was still on the 500 plan. I called today. My uh, my friend Suzanne and Kimberly hooked me up. And so what I didn't realize was I do have the SB8200, don't be creepy, at the, at my, my little officina. And guess what? They flipped a switch. I went up to, uh, like I say, pretty close to gigabit. Daddy's happy. Now, uh, on all of these accounts, because I think this, I don't think it's a coax thing. I think it is a Comcast thing. No matter what has ever happened up till now, I have topped out at 17 megabits up. Now, the exciting news is, in addition to almost doubling my download speed, John, I'm now getting closer to 18 megabits up. So <laughs> so I guess the answer, whether they advertise with you on the basis of increased upload speed, seems like no, because yeah. you're not getting it. What they advertise is, hey, I buy this package and you get a phone. And, uh, and Kimberly said to me, you know, you're smart to do just the internet if that's all you need because there's a whole bunch of taxes and fees that get tacked on if anything entertainment is related. 
And I says to her, I says, well, that must have been determined a pretty long time ago. Because it seems like you'd want to you'd milk that teat as regards the people who are using the internet for their quote-unquote Did, you, did you say the word teat to a Comcast sales executive no, but person uh, thing? No, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, so I won't mention which of my people I talked to about this. But we did, we did end up getting into a pretty saucy conversation about trying to get, mm-hmm. <laughs> get our relatives vaccinated. The conversation I have with I me, mean, I had had, had a conversation. This yeah. is the podcast that you should be making that you're not making. Is Merlin's extended conversations with customer support representatives? Well, okay, so you you know the thing that I think we mentioned maybe in an episode. You know, you know my thing that I'm not going to talk about a lot on Maine, which is I get good good treatment from Cable Town, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and they are the people that I talk to. There are effing amazing. They are funny. They are smart. Many of them are, are engineers. And uh, when I say things like 192.168.100.1, they instantly know what I mean. They don't have to flip to a tab and say Mac or PC. You don't get any of that garbage with these people. And by the way, sorry, Tony. I had Tony Sindelar. I saw that you're having problems. I wish I could bequeath you this assistance, but they are fantastic. They have proactively offered me improvements on things, keeping the bill down. Sorry, Dan Benjamin. Anyway, it's, um, but I did say at one point today, you know, right before we got into the part where we were using four-letter words to talk about our relatives, more on that in a minute, I, uh, I said, uh, I, I said, you know, you, I probably, you know, I, I've been traveling. It's been a little bit stressful, and I haven't slept as much as I'd like, so I'm sorry I'm so goofy. I, I'm guessing there's a star, possibly a black star, on my record to indicate that this is a guy with ADHD who wants customer service people to like him. And she laughed. Yeah, so it says uh, it says next to you, Merlin Mann. This one's a talker. He's a talker. He's a talker, Jerry. But uh, it is pretty funny. I could probably get fiber at the studio office, but I feel like it would fast. be a betrayal. Well, they've been so good to me at this point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how good? Like they're so good to you, but eighteen up. Come on. Well, you know, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, but then mm-hmm. at one point, then at one point, uh, if I'm being honest, Kimberly called me back. And Kimberly actually called me out of nowhere and said, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. I found the secret code. And I, I found the secret code to get you a good deal on this because they don't put that like even in, mm-hmm. in the thing there. And so she actually did bring the price down as well. And, uh, and, and she, thanked, she thanked me uh, effusively for being a Comcast customer for 78 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I think I do want everyone to like me, John. And mm-hmm. it doesn't always work out. I mean, I think the other note, we'll get to that. I think the other, <laughs> the, the other note that may be next to your name in the little Comcast uh, customer service book is a note speculating about the possible, whether or not the family that you describe sometimes in your phone calls actually exists. Oh, you think I sound like that guy? I sound like made a family guy? I sound a little bit like someone who's very lonely and is just looking for someone to talk to. And Absolutely. so you get someone on the line who has to be, is paid to be nice to you and you start having in-depth conversations about your life. And so it's like- Oh, John, 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 this is this has a name. <clears throat> this has a name in our family and uh, the name for that is Hawaii. Uh, I've told you this story before, but we're a family visited, uh, took an actual vacation at one point. Mm-hmm. And I've told you the story, but we were in Hawaii- our place was broken into on Mother's Day Eve. All the computers, all the phones, all the cameras, everything was taken. Pretty sure it was an inside job. The inside job, I'm pretty sure there's there's the lady who runs the place and her husband, who's an ex-cop. Is they came in, some whoever did it came in through a window that had obviously been opened from the outside before. And I said to myself, I says, "Huh, it seems like a little bit of a jam up." 
and they were very obdurate about doing anything to help us. And I ended up uh, spending uh, a lot of that time not writing the book that I wouldn't write. And on my Android G1 phone, uh, trying to see if my stuff was on eBay. And then we went to a different city in Hawaii and we checked into a Marriott. And I honestly did feel like Patty Hearst being let out of the closet. I was so grateful to be somewhere where they were being not actively terrible to me. And I'm so needy that to this day, Hawaii is, is code for I got out of a terrible situation and into a less bad one. Where, where I, I got extremely emotional about people treating me in the most minimally dignified way. <laughs> That's that's the, the Comcast customer service guarantee. We will treat you in the most minimally <laughs> dignified way. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm from Philly. It's it's right. It's like a slogan up on the wall in the call center. Please treat everyone uh-huh. in a minimally dignified way. Treat them stick stick with the pitch. Go to the tab Mac or PC. Minimal dignity, mm-hmm. please and thank you. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Instabug. You can learn more about Instabug right now by visiting try.instabug.com slash dis. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I know a lot of you folks are out there and you're building mobile apps, right? You're out there, you're developing, right? And we know that presents some challenges, bugs, crashes, performance issues. These can just be a nightmare for developers. But what if you could not only detect all these issues, but understand the quality of your app from your user's point of view? That's that's where Instabug comes into it. Because Instabug's lightweight SDK grabs all the insights that you need to build quality apps through comprehensive bug and crash reports, performance monitoring, and real-time user feedback. And that's all in one SDK. With Instabug, you can continuously monitor and measure the performance of your app as perceived by your users. You can also engage with your users by letting them report issues and ask questions right right from inside the app. You get all the information you need about bugs, crashes, other issues, and you can fix those issues in record time, all with a focus on privacy and security. And you don't have to worry about the hassle of switching to a new tool. It it only takes a minute to integrate Instabug into your app, and and it'll fit right in with uh, whatever workflow you, you prefer. You know, it's got support for Jira, Slack, Trello, GitHub, Zendesk, or whatever you use to handle issues. And please, please do handle your issues. I, I know I need to handle my issues. I should, I should probably try Instabug. But you know, the point is that you can go and you can join over 25,000 top mobile developers around the world who are using Instabug to ship high quality apps. So, so why would you not do that? Just go right now. Please go to try.instabug.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Try.instabug.com slash diffs give them a shot and start building those apps make them make them good you know sdk our thanks to instabug for supporting reconcilable differences and all of relay fm john what did we talk about last week on the after show no sorry uh, by the way hi welcome um this is uh this is a, a, a podcast uh well this is an episode of a podcast also you know don't call it a blog if you mean a blog entry you know you're you're killing me with that stuff but in this instance, this is an episode of a podcast called Reconcilable Differences. And if you end up liking it for any reason at all, and you got some spare money, you can go to relay.fm slash RD, and uh, you can become one of our beloved members who gets bonus content, including some of our juicier stuff. I really liked last week's episode, I, for what it's worth, John. Uh, I try to bond with you and you reject me uh, on many fronts. But in this instance, uh, I thought last week's episode was good. I thought last week's after show was very good. 
Remind me again what we spoke about in last week's After Show because I honestly don't remember. The member episode before last was where you talked about your Eliminator pin girl. Right. And I think that was one of my favorite John Syracuse segments, you know, uh, in a while. I like a lot of them. Wouldn't tell you. Um, but no, last week we, no, we were talking about uh, your vacation results, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. My my relatively uneventful box standard vacation results, which <laughs> I mean, I think it was a good after show. And we, we end up talking about cameras a little bit as we do. Yes. Yes. Um, but this is not a, a member special episode. There's no extra content at the end of this one. So we're going to fill the main show. Mm. With the main attraction, which is I, the, originally the show notes said Marone's vacation results because that's what we put in. And like, oh, when you know, when Pre- preemptively, you got John's vacation results. Why would you not then follow that up? And, right. Oh, and just to say, last week I was also expressing some trepidation about mm-hmm. this trip. You know, this trip, how is this trip different from other trips? Mm-hmm. Well, I hate all the trips, but I expressed, I won't recover all of that here, but I expressed my trepidation about. The, the the many various ways that things can go badly right now, but primarily that, boy, we all just need to not do non-essential travel. And and I think I said, and you you noted, uh, you know, hey, if this got canceled, that would be more than okay with me. And that's where we left it, I believe. Yep. And so the uh, as I got reports, I got semi-real-time oh, random reports from you during your vacation... <laughs> I, knew, I I started to understand that this was not just going to be, oh, like a little thing when Merlin says his vacation results, oh, we had fun, here was one funny thing that happened, but instead it would be a more substantial topic, uh, and it morphed into Merlin's vacation adventure, and now what I see in the notes is yeah. Merlin's vacation with two sets of scare quotes around the word vacation, and then yes. one set of square, scare quotes around the word adventure. You had... You had um as the czar of the notes, you had put in Marone's vacation adventure and you put adventure in, in uh, one set of quotes. I did at least my text expander. I have a text expander that takes the copy text and puts something inside of two sets of quotes. And I call that IAQ for ironic air quotes. Um, because boy, um, this vacation and you know, we, we, you and I, we have a lot of fun here, but we, we do differ sometimes on what constitutes a, a vacation so that's why I added those. And here's the funny part and why you may or may not want to keep listening is I had already prepared some, I thought, pretty good notes about how things had gone, you know, vis-a-vis the things we talk about here. But then on the last day, um, it went directions I had not anticipated. So I'm not going to skip over the rest of it, but I do think we need to either leave a little time for for what happened yeah, we, uh, we need to work our way up to it. we need to build up to it. work our way up to it if it's in the notes we could always come back to it you know what i'm saying because i feel like and again i only have a minimal uh knowledge of the parameters of what went down here but i feel like if it wasn't for the preceding x number of days the later events might not have transpired the way they did 100 percent, and that's totally that part is totally on me you're absolutely right but owing to the fact that my beloved, sweet, dear, wonderful, considerate wife uh, posted a rare Twitter tweet regarding something that happened on this trip, mm-hmm. I am now, much to my chagrin, in the obligated position, according to the internet, of explaining, quote, what happened. Not really, but oh this, no, this, no, believe this me. podcast oh. is exactly this, this content, even if that tweet hadn't existed, I would say that this podcast is the perfect opportunity 
for you, you to... You, in fact, demanded first right of refusal. Yeah, oh, no, my, totally. Yeah, by the way, my daughter's making a sim of you right now. Um, she's, uh, she's doing the last Dubai Friday challenge. I gave her the paper doll. I gave her the one of me hugging you and you looking stiff. Uh, she's going to make a sim of you, a sim of Roderick and a sim of Alex. And she's already, when you say a sim. What, what do you mean? A simulation? There's a game called the Sims that you can get on the PlayStation oh, okay, platform. Got it. Yeah, right. All right. I didn't, I wouldn't, didn't have the context. Got it. Okay. It was the, the challenge. Apparently I haven't heard it yet. I've, you know, been real busy. Mm, but the last episode of uh, the Dubai Friday program with friend of the show, Kathy Campbell, was, a, I, I guess, in some fashion about making me in Sims, which I mm. did not know about nor approve. But so she's going to do me. She says, according to her latest text a few minutes ago, she's already entered in everyone's personality traits. And I cannot wait to share with you what those are because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't like Sprite as much as famously believed. I don't know. I feel like the the I have not played The Sims personally, but I feel like perhaps the parameters of the game are not adequate to fully express either of our personalities. Oh, well, it's really confusing because I walk in and I read what's on screen in the little dongus, you know, and it says, you know, happy or urinate or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, and she does not make painting goblins the way that I do, mm -hmm. um, where you make somebody just lock them in a room with a with the toilet, and make them paint and then sell their paintings, which so is you're fun. really good at it. Yeah. They get really good at it. They get very, uh, very expressionistic. Uh, and they don't, and the beauty part is, unlike the regular human condition, they don't seem to know how bad they have it, which is good for everybody. You keep morale up. Do you have any place, do you have any opening statements or anywhere that you would like to start? Because I, I will end up talking a lot this week and I apologize in advance. I, that, that's what's going to happen. Buckle up. This is going to be a Merlin heavy episode. You Sorry. are going to tell this story and I just want to be here. This is it. a Dr. Light. You're in a Dr. Light episode. Uh, mm -hmm. This is going to be a no, heavy Or Dr. Heavy, depending on how you look at it. I mean, who's the doctor here? Okay. I'm writing that one down. Dr. Heavy. Okay. Um, so uh, QED, we talked about, you know, everybody, everybody, everybody who knows me knows that I, I used to, uh, I've historically not been a great traveler. I got to be an okay, good traveler. I, well, again, talking about bag in a bag, the important philosophical concepts behind bag in a bag. How do I beat back my demon dogs and get to where I can feel okay about leaving my house? On the one hand, and I think this is, this is, it's always two things with me. Yeah, it's leaving my house, but it's also being somewhere else. And then sort of concomitantly dealing with what's happening while traveling whilst also being as prepared as one can be for dealing with your house while you're away. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like we got a, we got we got a sitter. We got we got a we got a, a team that comes in and and looks at our animal friends while we're away. Oh, speaking of that, you did mention yeah. I, I, I skipped we skipped over this before, but you did mention that you had a power issue while you were gone. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. you'll get to that eventually, but it, did your sitter person resolve that for you or is that not in the job description? Well, uh, this is another classic bet on me because um Madeline is the primary point of contact with the pet network and uh she she deals with them. You know, we've got, you know, this is uh this is what separates us from well not all animals, but like ants, right? We got different jobs and I have a lot of jobs. I put a lot of things in bags and wires and stuff like that. She deals with the pet 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 lady says, "Hey, Bando's lights are off." Which, you know, I mean, it's not like he has to do reserve reading. But he does, we like to have his little lamp on for light, but much more importantly, there's a UV lamp that keeps him cozy. So his, his light, his other light, and his heaty rock were all off. And so this person, who, who by the way, is a summer professional fan fiction writer, 
contacted us to say it looks like Bando's lights are off. And I thought, oh, and she says, uh, doesn't matter it's a woman, but she says, you know, I'm not very techie. Can you walk me through this? Owing to the fact she's always there during daylight, she had not noticed in this uh, 26-hour period or whatever it was that everything was all the way off. And so I was like, okay, tomorrow morning when you come, we'll walk you through. <laughs> Do you have a pack of marbles with you? Because you're going to have to make a fuse. Wind it around twice, change the fuse. You know, it's a rule of thumb. Um, and we thought we could just walk her through, like dealing with the Eve uh, smart uh, outlet extension. Because that's what you thought it was power at this strip. point. You thought it was oh, just absolutely. Because, a... you know, the, the this power strip, the Eve power strip, they all suck. But this is the least sucky. We've had a ton of other ones. The Voco Link. We've all these different ones that just. Here's the troubleshooting. If it doesn't work, unplug it. Sing the bridge from September Girls. Plug it back in. And for some reason, it works. There's a lot. I, I imagine you've had this even with your small handful of smart things. But some smart things, they just lose their poop. And you just need to unplug them and replug them. Sometimes repair them. But more often than not, you just need to unplug it and replug it. I figured, I don't know. I didn't know what it was. But yeah, she was the one who discovered it, gratefully. Um, but where were we? What did I have to do with that? Well, just to fast forward to the end of that thing. Did she actually get the power back on or no? No. Oh, John. I, John, there's so much I'm not going to tell you here because we don't have time. I would love to share all of this with you. I had to contact our neighbors and said, hey... And see, already, see, this is how my mind works. I already knew there's a chance a fuse is going to blow. So I have a fuse bag. I got a bag. <laughs> it's not in another bag. I got a fuse bag. I got a fuse bag with a flash and an air tag. And I deliberately left it in a place that we could point our pet network to, to say, if something happens, this is here. But you're, you're, not, you're not home at this point. So what in the heck is going on in your house that fuses are blowing? My latest theory is that, yes, it can be because there's too many things drawing power, but my completely unscientific, non-engineering theory is that it's an abrupt change. <laughs> Go ahead. It's a, it doesn't like it when the electricity changes in amount. This is like when the plumber told me to try not to use the water too much. Right, yeah, don't, don't, don't use too much electricity or too no. little, and don't change it's the just, amount it, of electricity you're using quickly. It's a study in stoicism. Quickly. Like, just don't yeah. go crazy. I mean, do you really need to, like, use the water that much? Yeah. I mean, do you really need to, like, have a coffee, uh, 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 boiling water alongside a microwave? So, but you, when you're not home, yeah. like, I guess you probably have things on timers, or I don't know what kind of... John, mix, but I, like, John, but, I, John there's, no, there's no point. I've given up. I, I, I'm, <laughs> this whole segment is going to end. I feel like Kurt Vonnegut. You know, it be it ends with poti wheat. I can tell you, this is going to end with me referring to a line from the movie Zorba the Greek, where he talks about the full catastrophe, right? And so, so part of the full catastrophe here is like there is no amount of preparation that can get me like totally ready for this from a remove. Mm -hmm. Why would that, John? Before I left, I unplugged just, just, just for demon dogs. Mm -hmm. I found myself unplugging the things that might accidentally drop. Like, what, what if the power restarts? Different smart things treat things differently. Like I said to, 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 I can't remember if it was Kimberly or Suzanne today. Like I said today, sometimes the, 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 the devices are a little too smart, right? Because they try to be smart and cute, but they also, uh, they're not smart enough to actually do anything useful. So what if, what if the power went off and it came back on, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually unplugged the things that cause 
problems. Uh, even, even with that, this happened at 7 a.m. on a morning. And so I had to call my neighbors. And so, and so for the rest of your, for the rest of your quote unquote vacation, you're flying blind. Get ready for the best part of just this, this one little, this isn't even a chapter. This is a page from this pretty good trip. Um, is that my neighbor went out and my neighbor doesn't deal with this, hasn't had to deal with this the way I do. Again, I'm like Ralphie's dad. Start Mm. the clock. I can go down there and I, I can, I can switch that out. I know what I'm doing. My neighbor was kind enough. In the dark with one hand. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Where's my... Yes, yes. And so he went and did his best, but I'm not gonna tell him this, but I think I think he might have been, I think he might have gotten mixed up about which fuse he was fixing. And thank you so much, neighbor, for doing it. I think he might have gotten mixed up. There's their box, there's our box, and there's a main box. And I think something goofed up. Uh did I mention I'm on the East Coast on the other side of the country when this happened and having calls with my neighbor? And then guess what? Their power went off too, and he couldn't get it back on. So so long story short, he called PG&E. PG&E came out and they said, wow, you really need to get this fixed. I said, oh, have you been talking to the plumber who says the terracotta pipes in our, in our, in our, in our, our poop removal pipe, those also need to be replaced? Anything else? Anything else? My, you favored a, a tweet, which is very unusual, but I was responding to somebody recently on the internet and I said, what did I say? Every visit from a service person always begins with a stern lecture. So that's, you know. I'll get that lecture. We're working on the electric, but that's just one. That's just one of many little anecdotes in what, at a certain point, started to feel like a slightly cursed trip. Yeah. Well, and you you just got into it a little bit here, and so far I'm going to say, yeah. If you had to characterize at this point, was it feeling like a Seinfeld episode or a Breaking Bad episode? <laughs> that's a that's that's a good question. Well, like I'll get to with talking about the full catastrophe. It was funny because I'd had this, this is a, there's a book I read that I'll talk about later just briefly. Well, I'll talk about it now. There's a book put out by this guy named John Kabat-Zinn, who's a very interesting fella that does mindfulness meditation in the context of medical care. And he's a, he's a big deal. And he's written a lot of really good books. I've read probably three of his books. And he is part of a program at some fancy university on the East Coast where he especially deals with people with, you know, r- grave, sometimes terminal conditions uh, and and introducing mindfulness meditation as a way to to deal with that, and so he has a book called Full Catastrophe Living, based on that line from Zorba the Greek. And, you know, it's just encompassing this idea. So, like, there's a, a guy who asks Zorba, like, okay, you know, you know, what happened in your life? You know, did you have a wife? And he says something like, "What does he say? I think I have it here." He says something like, "I am," you know, uh, he says something like, "I'm a man," you know. Uh, he says, "Aren't I a man?" I mean, blind like everyone else before me, I, I fell headlong into the ditch. I married. I took the road downhill. I became head of a family. I built a house. I had children. Trouble. And he says, do you think I'm not a man like everyone else? Um, I've committed to great folly. That's what I call marriage. Um, yes, I've committed the great folly. And then he describes it as, I have a wife, I have children, the full catastrophe. And John Kabat-Zinn's talking about this idea, and it's just this is relevant because I did have a thought technology remembering having read this book 10 or 15 years ago. And thinking about, not so much for the mindfulness part, but the like, here's another way to think about it. This will be a funny story later. That rarely makes something good while it's happening. But the quicker you can get from this is my dissolution to this might be a funny story later, I think the better you roll in life. And if you just accept that there, you are living the full catastrophe all the time, you know, and that's a lesson I need to hear because 
I'm how I am and I'm anxious and I overthink and I, you know, again, QED. So I had all of that in mind. It wasn't more like Seinfeld or what'd you say? Not the wire. Would you say? Breaking bad. Um, at that point it was just like, Oh, it's another thing. Cause we're, we made it there. We're alive. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. But it just did feel like we were kind of beset along the way with a lot of, uh, partial catastrophes, just little, little ones, little catastrophes. Yeah. But you know, we're, we're healthy, you know, and we're okay. And like nobody stole, stole my laptop with the book. I'd never finish the full catastrophe, John. <sighs> All right. All right, keep going. And you you kind of lost over the trip there. So I guess that was more or less uneventful. Like I know that was probably dealing with airports and being on the airplane and all that other stuff that was, but you made it there. The fuse blew. Let me check. Let me consult my notes about this. Um, I did very, very quick notes. I had, I had sections here. Preface. I'll consider this the preface. That preface is done. COVID things, good things. Um, it, um, so, you know, travel stressful. One thing I will say, I mean, I'm like everybody, I guess, I'm pretty out of practice on how to do any of this travel stuff. I mean, it's a big joke nowadays. Go, I forgot how to talk to people and dirt, 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 dirt. But man, people are psychotic. And people in the airport, I mean, I know you're not a, not a great flyer, don't love to fly, but the same stuff that's always been noisome to me is now, I, it feels worse, or maybe I just forgot how much I hate it. But for example, like when you're ra- waiting, at the gate to board a plane. Could we not all just congregate in a circle over where people need to be in line? And then no. you can't tell where the line is. And, th- and the thing is, there's no line. It's not Southwest, guys. If, you, if, you're, if you're not ready to be boarded, there is no line. Yes, even if you're fancy and in first class, like, wh- what are you doing? Like, and, and like, there, there's this guy where I, I, I uh, God, this is so emblematic. And this guy was kind of crowding the zone a little bit. And I said, um, I said, oh, uh, sorry, are you in line? And he goes, what does it look like? And I said, whoa. I said, I'm just trying to, I don't want to cut in front of you. He says, well, what are you saying? And I said, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying anything and I'm not trying you want, to provoke you. want a piece you. of me? Is this what you want? Is this how you, is this how you want it to go? <laughs> the Jerry Stiller, you want a piece of me? <laughs> or, or Jared from Silicon Valley. Do you want to die today, mother effer? Um, but boy, that, that's what we in the business call, uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. People, the uh, stress levels are apparently high at the airport. Yeah. I mean, and like, so, uh, we'll get to this, uh, but you know, I do think maybe everybody's a little bit out of practice, but there's me. And you know what? Let's be honest. Maybe it's just me noticing a slightly different aspect. Having had many, many hours to be in an airport and observe people in the last little while, uh, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's an incredibly stressful time for people who work at airlines. I mean, especially flight attendants, but really anybody just de- watching people deal with people and just, or even when I went and like, uh, in one of my many hours spent at the airport, went and had a drink and there's this one like 60 year old woman with an incredibly pronounced limp who's servicing the entire bar area. And people were just screaming at her for a refill, screaming at her for their first drink and get me a lime and all this yelling. And then I need to get on my plane. Let me pay my bill. And like, and she's, she's like Festus, like from Gunsmoke, just limping around trying to keep up with all the angry people. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress, but then what do you, on top of that, you got stuff like what's going on with Southwest or what was the other airline? But there are two airlines that have just been, they've had a ton of flights canceled. Um, in the case of some places like the great state of Michigan, 
There's been some very serious weather issues in, in the past week. And you know how this stuff works with airlines where there's just this rolling chaos. We're like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, this flight's late. People aren't going to make this flight. You got to get them onto that flight. You're dealing with standby. And it's once the tolerances that uh, prevail in this industry nowadays do not accommodate a lot of flexibility. And so when something doesn't go right, you know, QED, John Roderick and uh, John Mulaney, uh, you know, it's sometimes really difficult to get even like a minimal amount of help with getting back home. Can I go home on one of your airplanes, please? No. And we're going to try you for murder and you're going to go to jail for 30 years. <laughs> Let me insert my tiny, tiny little travel story related to that. Speaking of cancel flights, my wife was coming back from a family visit. Oh, did she already do her trip that you talked yeah. about? Her flight was canceled, but only after it was delayed and delayed and delayed. And she decided she made she called an audible and said, even though they haven't canceled my flight yet because of weather, I think they're going to. So I'm out of here. So she rebooked for the next day, left the airport, which is a good thing because they did eventually cancel her originally scheduled for 4 p.m. flight or whatever it was. They eventually canceled it sometime after like 1030 p.m. So if she had been sitting there in the airport, right, they would have just anyway. Uh, and then when she came back, I went to pick her up at the airport, uh, parked myself in the cell phone lot, waiting to get the call to come around and pick her up. She said, come around and pick me up. And my battery died in my car. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was. Uh, but, you know, it was all surmountable. Everything worked out fine. But it's not been a you know, I, I feel like travel is uh, maybe again, maybe like you said, maybe it's because we're all out of practice. Maybe we yes. forgot about what it's like, but it's not great. Yeah. And I, I can't pretend to understand this, but I, I've heard it said by people who seem smart. And if anybody out there in the airline industry wants to tweet at us, he can tell us. But it's my understanding that there, there's a whole bunch of almost like, like a EULA type stuff. Well, on the one hand, there's the EULA type stuff, which is like, if it's force majeure, if there's an act of God that keeps this from happening, they don't owe you anything in some instances. But also there's stuff where like, I think what your wife had there and what I had on, I think at least three occasions in the last few days is, there's some kind of an incentive related. I don't exactly understand it, but there's a reason they don't do cancel this stuff till the last minute. I don't know if there's like some kind of, you know, the way that like they want your kids to go to school because they lose funding. If your kid doesn't go to school, like it seems like they're sending the truant officer out because they worry about your kid, but it's really about funding. I got a feeling there's an angle like that here where the longer they can say, well, we're delayed another hour, get off the plane, come back, that kind of thing. I think there's some kind of a reason that they treat it that way. Yeah, I, there may be. But like, I always just think of it as like, for people who really need to get their ASAP, for whom hope springs eternal, they will just say, well, it hasn't been canceled. So there's still some hope that my, you know, noon flight will leave at 11 p.m. Right. And so you're just there in the right. airport all day, just waiting after delay, after delay, after delay. Maybe the weather system will pass, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, my wife with the experience of, taking you know a reasonable amount of flights during life like look the flood this flight hasn't even left the city of boston yet like my flight that i'm supposed to be getting on so right. best case scenario it leaves boston right now takes x amount of time to get here and then i get on it and it's just you know you start doing the math and realize you've been you've already been delayed four hours and it's just time to get the hell out of this airport it's very stressful and unless you're real lucky or again this will come up later unless you're like a million miler or in first class or similar I don't think there's a lot of proactive attempts. Sometimes they'll rebook you. I've had experiences where I've been like rebooked before I even realized what had happened, but I don't think that happens a lot. And also to state the obvious, 
if that airport is a giant mess with people sleeping on the floor because of flight cancellations, guess what? You're not going to be able to just hop on another flight. I was ready to spend four figures at one point on a flight to get me home, and there was just nothing available. And you know, that, I think that's that's extremely that's extremely stressful for everybody. And again, just disclosure: the way that people treat the people who work in these airports is abominable. Um, I, I, again, we don't have time. There's, I have so many, there's one of the anecdotes involved a standby flight where there was a woman who, you know, how everybody loves to run up and get the like money to take a later flight. You know, in my experience that, mm. that starts with, that usually starts with, we need eight people to take a later flight and we'll give you a voucher. Then that might become, well, we need, you know, six people to not take this flight and we'll offer you $200 or a Wolfgang Puck Express coupon <laughs> This is the first time that I can remember that a domestic flight was offering $800. Now, for folks who fly pretty often, you don't run into that that often. But they really needed people off this flight. And there's always those people, those like cockroach people who are all like buzzing around the desk trying to get the money. And like that takes the attention away from the folks who are trying to actually get the plane in the air. There's one woman who's trying to negotiate something. She said, I'll agree to take this later. I want a window seat and blah, blah. And then they were like, well, okay, we don't need to transfer you on this flight. So here's where you are with this window seat. She didn't like her window seat. My hand to God, John, eight minutes with four people. She's just standing up there with her neck pillow strapped around her neck, <laughs> trying to continually renegotiate a different window seat. And I, at one point, I, 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 and I'm, I, I'm not very demonstrative like this in public because I, I try to be decent. But at one point, I did kind of lean my body forward about 12 degrees and, and hit, hit a pole with my head and went bong because I was like, bonk. I would bonk. <laughs> I would ride on a wing. I would, I would, I would do a Shatner for this one. Like I would go out and churn the colonial woman, in colonial garb, turning uh, butter on the wing. Uh, and I was just like, Oh my God, I, I don't want to hate this person, but they're taking up the time of those people. And eventually they, eventually they were so nice to her and said, look, Ma'am, like you, I asked you what you wanted. I gave you what you wanted. We don't need that spot now. It's not negotiable. Do you want to get on this flight or not? And she said, well, I want a different window seat. And this just kept going on and on and on. And I'm like, and there's like, meanwhile, like, like there's all this, me and these six other Dickensian characters, like just trying to get on a flight, but I'll save it for the show. The trip, uh, you know, it's okay, whatever. I mean, there was stuff like, to your point, like we're about to get on this flight to go. So originally it was San Francisco, the flight out to the East Coast was San Francisco to, oh God, I'm spacing already, to Atlanta where COVID is raging. What? And uh, Atlanta to Providence. What? Why are you going to Atlanta? Instead of a direct flight? Yeah. There are no direct flights. So here's, here's the Hobson's choice that we have faced as long as I've been with my lady friend. You can either fly to Boston mm -hmm. and then go to that horrible rent-a-car corral. You've probably never had to be there <laughs> they, for obvious reasons. They've actually reasons. totally upgraded that. I know. they. Well, they upgraded it. Let's leave it at that. But, but they it's did, totally different yeah. than it was. But it used to be the one, the way it was in 2000 when I had an inflammatory bowel disease and really needed a bathroom, woof. I mean, it really, it really felt like a place where they tow your car mm -hmm. and you go there. And uh, anyway, so we could either fly to Boston and then, uh, I mean, like I've Peter Panned from Providence to Boston, but we would be then renting a car and driving to Providence, which is mm -hmm. no fun after an eight-hour flight. 
Now, what you can do that's more convenient but has more risk is you fly. You c- there is no direct flight to Providence. You have to connect. You get to Providence. They, they, the way that they've upgraded the Providence airport is completely baffling to me, but we don't have time for this. So that, that's why that happened. I mean, but you could, you could have flown into Newark, JFK, LaGuardia. Like you have other choices that are not Atlanta. Um, what's your beef with Atlanta? It's far away from Rhode Island. Oh, <laughs> oh God. One time, dude, um, 2000, I had to fly from Tallahassee. I used to fly about once a month between Tallahassee and San Francisco when I had my dot-com job. And one, at one point, I had to get on. They had to put me on, too, because everything went wrong. They had to put me on an American flight. So you know where Tallahassee is, like mm-hmm. near Georgia? Yeah. Tallahassee to Miami mm-hmm. on American Airlines. Up then to Maine, right? And then you go to Port, <laughs> Portland, Maine, and you thought it was going to be Portland, Oregon. But no. Um, anyhow, but we're fixing to like, you know, get ready to get on the plane. And they're like, you know, uh, well, actually, I, I do pretty good impressions. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a little problem uh, uh, getting the, uh, the equipment. We need to get uh, a couple pilots in here. They had to uh, peel off and uh, had to. So, so at some point, like our pilots had to go somewhere else. I guess they're understaffed. We have to wait for different pilots. Not great, Bob, but fine. We got the flight to, uh, is there anything to say about this? Not a lot. We flew to uh, Atlanta. And, uh, we eventually, but you know, it's still, it's all pretty stressful. And we did make that flight, which feels increasingly pretty rare these days. But we did make the flight and, um, you know, we got to Providence and we had to rent a car. And miraculously, so far, everything's coming up Millhouse because we got our luggage, everything's fine. For innumerable reasons, I'm not going to tell you this whole part of the story until we're offline. But suffice it to say, there were things we were not aware of about where we would be staying. Did you did you arrange all your own where you would be staying like stuff? My uh my uh my lady friend took care of all of that. All right. Um so, she that's uh, that's in her remit, her portfolio. And so what surprised you about it was a surprise that you just couldn't tell from the arrangements exactly what you were getting yourself into. I I, I wish I wish there were a way that I could utterly redact all the names and brat names because I'm not here to like be the like guy on the internet complaining about things, mm-hmm, but right. there's, there's, you know, there's these various sort of inter- or national chains of places um, that are like meant to lodge you for more than a couple nights. Mm-hmm. So like I've stayed in a few of these in the past. I stayed in like, you know, when the date of my job start changed in 1999, they put me up in one for like a month in Tallahassee. It was great. My bachelor pad. You know, my wife just totally understandably dumped me and I got to have my own little like apartment where I can make pork chops and set off the fire alarm and, you know, listen to basement jacks. Uh, I was cock of the walk. Um, I, another one, when I was moved out to California, uh, I ended up, because that happened kind of abruptly, they put me up at a place in Mountain View down the street from Net, Netscape and it was great. It was, it was fine. This is one of those, and let's, there's no need to drag this company per se because the reason behind this is actually really good. But so we're all pretty stressed out. It's late. We get in. I think it's 12 or 1 when we finally arrive at our lodging. And um, something, my wife got really spooked because we pulled in and it really seemed like something odd was going on. The first thing is a lot of people who look like they're having a pretty rough time sitting on curbs and smoking. And it's like, oh, huh. 
Huh, not that it matters, but this is uh, this is our vacation, and uh, this is the kind of place that usually caters to, you know, business people and families. I think, and um, that seemed weird and kind of spooky. And then I can really put a, I can really pin this to one thing. We went into the front entrance wearing masks. This would be the first of dozens of, of occasions where we were the only people wearing a mask, or very definitely the only people wearing a mask correctly. We walk in, and the first thing we see is behind the plexiglass that's presumably there for health is a giant um, monitor with our images on it that's, that's blinking red recording in progress. And this is something that my wife is very familiar with because she volunteers to deliver meals um, every couple weeks in San Francisco, and she goes to a lot of projects and SROs. Right, And she's used to walking into the lobby of a place with 50 locks and seeing her image along with something that says recording in progress. John, when you arrive at Disneyland, for example, not, not to, you know, big time here, you generally don't see your face on a monitor that says recording in progress. But you do see that a lot in, in like drugstores, though, in cities. Yeah, but you don't take a vacation in a drugstore. It's true. It didn't feel accommodating. And I'm not going to belabor this, but it's, it's, it's somewhat, it's important context. Um, what we discovered is that the place where we're staying, well, first of all, they didn't have the room we wanted. And the room, even the room that we wanted wasn't the room we thought we wanted because it was based on her understanding of the room offered. It would be like a suite with like two rooms and like a sitting area. Well, it's really more like an Olympic village type situation. The room we're supposed to get where there's two beds with a wall and stuff. So the second room was mostly okay. The first room looked like a black site. Um, and it's one of those places where you have a kitchen. There were no dishes, no anything, no coffee maker, because, because health, you have to ask them for it and then come collect it at the desk. It's one of those places that understandably, like they don't do room service. There is nothing like room service. They have, you know, um, machines that you can get stuff out of. You know, we, we, we need, used to that kind of thing. But- you also like have to go and trade in your own towels and stuff. That's all fine. But here's the extra context. And we did do some background on this. Um, it turns out that the place where we were staying has become a subsidized location for folks who are unhoused. And that almost everyone else in the hotel, well, first of all, they all smoke and have a dog, which is great. But it, it had, it had a real vibe to it. Um, on, there were, a cop car or a fire truck there almost every day for some reason. And just a whole lot of people outside smoking. We eventually, our first room, the black site, was just, and everybody's just shattered at this point. And my kid's getting panicky because she sees us being a little panicky. Like, it didn't feel safe. It really felt like it was pretty sketchy for a place that was for a vacation. And you know what? I, I, I really do apologize if it sounds like I'm trying to drag this. I think it's fantastic that the hotel can make money and that people get a place to live. But I wish we'd gotten a little bit of a heads up on what we're going into for our first vacation in two years. Um, so she was very uncomfortable there. It did not feel good. And we were in this, this room that fair enough was clean and everything. But and then the next day they set us up in this other like slightly nice room. It still wasn't what we wanted. And both of them were hating it. Our, our place where the, the place we eventually got into was on the first floor with, a, I'll send you a photo, a terrific view of where people smoked. So you would come from outside where people were smoking 
into the front entrance, into the hallway, and it wasn't until you were in our actual room that it smelled like an ashtray the whole time. Just not, you know, what one would hope for. Were you immediately thinking, like, let me just pull up my internet phone and find alternate lodgings and book them right now? Yes. And we did. We did. I mean, the quickest we could get into something was three or four days later. Uh, very reminiscent of a terrible experience we had. And nothing against Max FunCon. Terrible experience we had at Max FunCon the first time I went. Is that they ended up going and staying uh, at, a, at, a, at a nicer place. They had a photo of David Byrne on the wall because RISD. Um, but yeah, we were trying to do that immediately. And it was this sort of panicky feeling of like, you know, and I'm, you, you know me, I'm trying to be the go along, get along guy. I'm trying to be the good vacation boy. Um, but you know, it was a little rough I'm trying to make a bet the best of things. There's no food. We're starving. There's no nothing. Nothing is open. You can't get anywhere. As you'll see in some of those photos I sent you, I had another one, not, not nearly as good as when we were in Braintree, but, uh, just outside Swansea in East Providence, uh, it's really not a place for walkers. So that sort of set the context for the beginning. Now, now lots of good stuff happened, but at this point I will, I will pause and take a sip of water and just say uh, that kind of set the context of like, we're already a little bit back on our heels because this doesn't really feel very vacation-y. Um, and that's, you know, kind of where things started. So I don't know what your, what your options are there, but is, was one of the things on the table at any point staying with relatives? Any other time, yes. Um, so my um, my in laws, the 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 couple. So like basically, it's my my wife's sister and her husband who rule. Um, have a house in Florida, and a house in a vacation house in Providence. That's in well in Barrington, like you know where their family grew up. That's amazing. Like right next to the library slash city hall, you can get to Adele's Lemonade. Um, uh, they're finally starting to put in some Dunkin' Donuts in New England. Uh, that's walkable. Um, but no, because they were putting up everybody else. So the place was beyond capacity at their house with babies, with dogs, such good babies, but with at capacity there such that my sister-in-law and her husband were probably going to need to go stay in a hotel and just to have more room at that house. Normally we, yeah, sure. Normally or like sometimes if we know it's going to be a while, we'll like in West, like we've rented a, you know, fairly inexpensive house in Westport a few times and that's cool. But no, I mean, it wasn't an option. We knew from the beginning we were, we were stuck there. And that night, you know, that feeling though, of like, well, gonna make the best of it. This is, this is where we are. And I, I was trying to be upbeat about it and say, you know, I bet this will look better in the morning. But you know, you just, there's sometimes where you get a vibe and you're just like, this place doesn't feel loved. And, uh, that's where it started. So are you gonna, you said you're going to skip over some stuff. Are you going to skip over the family stuff? Can you characterize the family stuff? Oh, no. I mean, like, okay, so here's, here's some good things. John, I sent you some photographs mm-hmm. of, uh, of some, some family things from this visit. Um, so some good things. Like, there was a lot of good things. So we've got to talk about the sandwich. Um, but, like, we have such high-quality relatives. Um, and the most exciting thing is that mm, the kids who are now in the generation of my nieces and nephews – who are generally between the youngest is 18. The, the closest that's like a peer to my kid is now 18. Um, but most of them are in their thirties uh, and there's some in their twenties, but like a bunch of them have gotten married and had kids. And the best part of this entire thing, and the whole reason in some ways we did this this year 
normally we do it because it's what you do, just like you. Um, but like we want to see the babies and we wanted to see the old relatives where not to make it weird, but old relatives and friends where you don't know how many more visits you're going to get. That's why you undertake something like this. Could you, could you look, could you look at the photos and look at these babies? I see the babies. They're very cute. Look at the baby on the swing. That's my, that's my, is it great nephew or grand nephew? Anyway, he's great. That's Jack. And you can see him with uh, my brother-in-law, Sam, in that one. Look at that baby. Look at that face where he's holding his little hand, his little ravioli hand. Jack is a very sweet baby. Jack likes me. Jack likes to hold my pinky. I, I'm a, that's my go-to move is to grab my pinky. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned from Mike Montero that's really good is you can do a thing where you hold your finger up way high up in the air, and then you start making concentric circles until you go boop on their forehead, and babies love that. <laughs> Jack was very into it. Jack might be the most photogenic baby I've ever seen. It was so great to hang with everybody. But, you know, there's mixed bag components to this. We went into this the way we went into this. And, you know, one thing my wife said that I kind of, I didn't, you know, you don't, you don't want to say things that are a problem. But she said, I'm going to, anytime we're inside, I'm going to wear a mask. And I said, okay, I think that's really laudable. And I think that's going to be way more difficult socially than you think. I said, that the problem is taking this trip is the mistake. Once we're there, we have to do what people do. Otherwise, we're going to feel and look like total weirdos. So you can't just go sit outside all the time. You can't, you honestly can't wear a mask all the time. I mean, you can, it sucks. And of course, it wasn't until we arrived that we discovered that there were people in the extended family that not only were red hat nuts, uh, I learned that one of them is a practicing witch. Uh, she has, has, let's, not, has, let's not lump those two things together, please. No, no, no. But she's very proudly a red hat person. And she, All right, well, she, well, she ran straight up and started making fun of us for wearing masks and asked for hugs. And then I, I made the noise that Todd makes in the Jerb Kazaz episode of Bojack where I went, mm, and I said, okay. But I found it very difficult to have a mask on there because first of all, my family's extremely loud and there's no lip reading. You have to, you scream and scream and scream. You're, you know, and again, I, 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 you guys, you know me, right? If I had my druthers, I would never, mm, I believe in vaccines and masks. I believe in these things. Oh, and the reason I tell you that, John, is because of her, I don't think it's because of her background in the occult or her tattoos, uh, but she just, you know, she's one of those, I'm never getting one person, sort of like your lady had to go be around. And that was like the first morning of the trip. And it was like, ooh. And Madeline tried so hard. She would like sit outside in the rain and we would like go visit her like the pool boy or something, you know, but my kid is so excited about this trip and so excited to see, you know, my niece, who's the greatest family member of all time. Uh, I told you about Molly. Molly's the best. Molly and her girlfriend were there. And like, there's a million reasons that we love Molly and you, Molly will come, they'll come hang out outside. But like I said, this is, it's a difference. It's a big difference. A lot of people there think think this is mostly done. And anyway, not to beat it to death. But so now we've got a little bit of extra edginess on top of it because there's the whole like, uh, yeah, we look like weirdos for being the the people from California who wear masks. All of them, as stipulated, have been pretty spotty about masks in the past, I, I conjecture. But now, on top of the the weird the weird hotel experience, the, all the things, the travel things, the tired, the all, not enough food, the not enough sleep. On top of that, now we're both we're all like, oh boy, maybe this wasn't a great idea because it's going to be hard to like hang out at the beach all day in a mask. 
Well, I'm I'm looking at these pictures and I don't see a single person wearing a mask, including oh, any no, of your, no, no. any of we your. We were the only members. ones. We were the only ones. But and I don't see your family members wearing a mask either. And granted, but look, here's here's your daughter indoors, no I, mask. I have thoughts on this. I have thoughts on this. Yes. I mean, it's interesting to hear you say that you had sort of pre-capitulated to the idea that uh, masks are great and everything, but once peer pressure enters the picture, we're not going to try to buck that trend because it's too hard. Um, on the other hand, I feel like trying to wear masks indoors with the people you're visiting is different is a much more difficult policy than saying oh well when i go to the grocery store i'll wear a mask because that's a hundred percent like hundred percent because it's almost as if like look we're going to be hanging out with these people for the whole time we're here we might as well accept that this is our new bubble now right and you could say yeah, when we yeah, go yeah, to yeah. when we go to any place else we'll wear a mask but when we're in this bubble we've essentially accepted that look if anyone here has got it you know especially if you're incapable i mean like it's difficult to describe but if you're in a big echoey house with an extremely gregarious, loud family, they literally can't understand what you're saying. It's like, and so, you know. Uh, no, I mean, uh, but if yeah. setting aside that, the masks yeah. are, probably aren't going to save you if you're at a, at a dinner table, people shouting, like, you know, like know. for weeks on end. Well, I mean, like, it's it's important to me. I, I It took me a lot of years to realize, you know, it's a little like I like to say about, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? You don't help anybody when you say, I told you so. You really don't, especially if it's somebody you love. It is never, it is very rarely useful. The timing on it has to be exquisite, and it shouldn't be the actual phrase, I told you so. But my my stick in the ground from early on is like in for a pound, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like if we go to this, it's the traveling there that sets off this entire thing, and it's going to be very difficult. All right, here's a couple things. It's always... Um, here's a couple of things. One thing that I realized is you have to realize when you're doing stuff with other people, is it your event or their event? Because you can't treat everything like it's your event. There are times where you have to go along because it's somebody else's event, especially if somebody's taking you out on a boat, especially if it's somebody's wedding. But like, you don't get to control. I'm, I'm being just dead honest. And I knew this. You don't get to go into every situation and always make it the way you want. Your options are either you don't go or you go and participate in someone else's event that you don't get to control. I wish it were different. I wish I were strong enough to be an eight-day asshole title with my family, but like you said, it's, I'm not sure that would even help us. Now, the thing that I thought was going to be my biggest point that I was going to make up until the last day of this trip was that it, it's a, it was very instructive to me to see to be in a different culture where different things are okay. So like in my neighborhood, a largely Chinese neighborhood, people are, everybody still wears masks. Because it's not, in addition to like, it's not weird. Chinese people are totally cool with wearing masks. It's, it's a thing. It always has been. You don't want to make other people sick. But like there's, and like I've said all along, like I wear a mask partly to like make it okay for other people to wear masks. That's how we stick together on, on and beat this. But it was also instructive when I, you know, we like to look, people like me like to look down our nose at people in Alabama, Alabama, Missouri, Florida. You cannot, it's sort of like David Simon says. And, you know, I actually said this to my friend Suzanne at, uh, at Cable Town today. I said, I said to her, I says, David Simon says, it's not a question of whether we will be corrupted by the system in which we participate. It's mainly a question, a question of saying which, in which of these systems will we participate and inevitably, inevitably be corrupted. I think that's a truism. And in this instance, I did not, it was apparent to me fairly early on. I'm a weak man, John. I just, I couldn't do the things I thought 
were right all the time while I was there, in this instance, to like be the safe person, it was much easier to be where I live. So once once you'd sort of uh, gone that route, which I imagine made things easier in many ways for everyone involved, right? Did you at any point like get into the mindset where you considered taking a recreational run at one of the the red hats or anything just as a, as a thing to do? Just not not in a serious way, but just like, you know what, I, I want to I want to, you know, like thing that you would never do on the Internet. But that, mm-hmm. like on day six, you're thinking, let me just take a run at this and see what happens just as a, just as a, as a, a form of entertainment and recreation. Mm. No, first of all, this is not a platform for subtlety in any of these events. Uh, we had a really good time at the beach, partly because it wasn't that sunny, and because we'd gone to Target wearing masks and and gotten a little tent, a little tent for me to sit sit in that a lot of people enjoyed mm. sitting in. Yeah, we had a grandpa um, tent. That's good. I no, I that did not. That was did not feel. It it, it no, I didn't do that. I wouldn't have done that. I'm not sure what that would have been, as they say, in service of. You're talking about like trying to like persuade somebody, maybe get the vaccine, or, or even just probing, just trying to get the lay mm-hmm. of the land and see, like, because I mean, you, what you described was, even though it's sort of like a homogenous culture, it sounds like there's a, it's a mixed audience, like that you have the the red hats, but you also have some people who are kind of in the middle, and of course you have your family from the whole opposite end of the spectrum. But it doesn't right. sound like the entire event got itself bogged down into political debates or anything. No, 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 no. It's uh, what does Elaine uh, Bennis say? You know, you guys do that. We just we just tease girls until they get an eating disorder. This is much more the kind of family that will. It's just a very teasy family, and you sometimes when you show up at an event, that's when you first find out what everybody else has been saying about you, and now they're now ready to make a joke about. Which is fine. Um, so relating to the, oh shoot, what was I going to say? Target, uh, little tent. The um, uh, what this are the also gets. Arguing? Go ahead. This also gets back to okay. So my daughter and I, my daughter just got a bunch of her school supplies and was very excitedly setting up all of her, getting her binders and she's got a new backpack, getting all that stuff ready, showing me her new lunchbox and putting it all together. And so we were watching uh, The Office, like one does. And it was the one where, I think it was The Office. It might have been Schitt's Creek. But no, I think it was The Office. But it involved hiring a stripper for a bachelor party. And I said to her, um, I think I actually said, woof. I had a really bad experience once going to a bachelor party where there was a, a stripper. And, and I said, I have to tell you the truth. Nothing against people who you know dance. But um, I said, but, you know, I'm very uncomfortable in situations like that. And Roderick and I have talked about this. I cannot get into going to a strip club um, on any level. First of all, the Cokes are very expensive. It just, it feels very unhygienic and morally gross. And, but here's the thing. If you're uncomfortable around people who are stripping, don't go to a strip club. If you go to the strip club, if you decided to go to the strip club, you know what you're not allowed to do? You're not allowed to proselytize and tell people that they're bad or tell them that they're making you uncomfortable. There was a, there's a pretty, an interest, super interesting trend amongst a handful of my friends in college where the women would go to this like, you know, pretty light, lightly, you know, booby uh, place and dance. And that's how they paid for college. And so my friends like, Hey, we're going to go see uh, Dawn dance tonight. And I'm like, no way. I said, that is, that is regressive. There's no way. And she's like, wait, this is how she's paying for college. Let's go to the strip club. And in that instance, because I still thought I had a, a moral compass, I said, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go to that. 
I don't want to support this. It makes me uncomfortable. And you know what? In that instance, I made the right choice, even at the cost of being a little bit of a jerk with my girlfriend. Because if you don't like stripping, you shouldn't go to a strip club. If you don't like gregarious, unmasked conversations, don't go where that's the thing. It's not your event. It's somebody else's event. And you're not allowed to change the rules and the valence every, any, any or every time that it doesn't please you. Well, I would Does say that, that makes sense. I, I mean, you know I, I, what I'm I mean, saying? It makes 100 percent sense. Like, I think everyone can relate to what you're saying because we've all felt this at uh, probably to lesser degrees in less dire situations. But, uh, but the flip side of that is the, the reason the reason why this is a big pitch of. I mean, I'm sure you'll be able to talk to your libertarian uh, uh, therapist about this. Um, that's why one of the big things in therapy is always about uh, getting people to try to set boundaries for themselves, right? Because yes. it's not an easier natural thing to do. Like, it's difficult. It doesn't come naturally to people. It is uncomfortable. And it's a thing that you have to sort of learn how to do. And so in this example here, I feel like... like how, do you, how do you say what's okay for you without seeming controversial exactly, or Exactly, right. Because that's why it's so hard. Like, because the yes. group is all doing this totally. and you're going to do the other thing. And how do you do this? How do you set your own boundaries without people saying, you think you're better than me? Like, you know, you just... It's, yeah, I do. It's, it's inviting conflict. And yeah, this, I mean, you, you are vastly outnumbered, it looks like. And... <laughs> Uh, and it's, it would have been, uh, quite an effort to do that. Now you, you'd mentioned in the past that your, your daughter was super gung-ho on the masks and very, very serious into them and wearing them all the time, but it mm -hmm. seems like she slipped easily. And I mean, I guess probably easy for, for yeah. teens. Like they're just accustomed to like, well, the peer pressure right. is X, so I'm going to go with it. I imagine she succumbed. I imagine she succumbed to a similar thing to what a lot of people, which is like, okay, so maybe one reason that the vaccination and mask stuff, and, and I count me amongst the ranks that are like, yeah, the mask, mask stuff is great, but the vaccination stuff is really great. If we're going to provoke people who disagree with us on this, let's really try to persuade people about vaccines because that's going to lead to fewer needs for masks in the future. Oh, yeah, for so sure. let's, not, let's not lose the thread on this, but, but. Yeah, I think in an environment where you're the only one, and it's not even peer pressure. I wouldn't call it peer pressure. I wouldn't call it, I don't know. It's just, it's more it's, like- It's so, ambient peer pressure. Like they're not making you do anything, mm -hmm. but it's just like being in the group that's all acting a certain way. It's what, the, the one where you get into the elevator and everyone's facing the wall, right? Oh no, the way we automatically space out. But it's also ref kind of uh, is orthogonal to like a bit from You Look Nice Today a million years ago where Adam was talking about, <laughs> I think joking, but saying he went to a nude beach and- you know, we we're talking about how you should have to put up a little flag that says, is it nude time now or not nude time? Sort of like adult swim versus kid swim. But the irony is if you go into a locker room and then go into the steam room wearing a tuxedo, that's going to seem, that's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Even though you feel like covering up your nudity is some day one stuff. Well, I mean, you can wear a swimsuit and even some people hate that, but people get really put off. And I, I'm telling you, whether it's at the stop and shop or at the Barbarossa's wine store or the Target, there's a lot, I mean, we did not get like yelled at, but there was a lot of stink eye in a lot of places. Not that it matters, but you know, it's just that, why did she take it off? Well, I mean, I think she knew it was really, it, it creates a barrier with the people around you and you're the only one not doing it. If I were a better person, if I were a better person, I would demand that we not go. But I wanted to be the kind of good person that does what the family, I'm not just like a martyr, but you know what I mean? Like if you're in, you're in. Anyway, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like, you know, it, it, your plan going in seemed very ambitious and maybe not even that useful because, like My I said, plan. if you're, you're going to mm. be with these people the whole week, masks are not going to save you. If someone's got Delta in the house, 
you're going to get it. That's after. what that's what Dr. Fauci keeps saying. There are Sanjay. There's a lot of virus out there. There's a lot of virus out there, and it's going to get around your barriers. Yeah, if you're and you're in close proximity, and that mask is not is not like super duper sealed, like it's you know, but your whole family's vaccinated, so you're more or less protected. You know, yeah. like you're you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not mm-hmm. that. So you know, a a plan going in could have just as easily have been. We're not going to wear masks at all when we're with our family, but if we go out to Target, we wear them in the Target. And, and Absolutely. Well, yeah. Now, now we're around strangers. Um, um, well, let me just get through a couple more good things, and then we'll get to the main event. But uh, other good things. Oh, we should talk about the sandwich. So my nephew used to work at, and then eventually um, manage a sandwich joint in. Um, I don't know if it's the the Massachusetts Rhode Island border is insane. And then the county differences inside, like when you can buy and where you can buy alcohol, it's all so bizarre. But he used to work at the sandwich place. And uh, I had almost four sandwiches while I was there. I loved it so much. And I did send you some photos. It's Guy, Guy Fieri approved. Apparently, he was a bit, of a, a bit of a pill when he was there. But he did triple their sales. But it's a sandwich place. And I sent you their board. And, and I, I found a sandwich. I'm very, an Italian sandwich I'm very excited about. Number 16. Yeah, I looked at that. You you mentioned another one that seemed more conventional. I got to scroll up to find this. Number one, number one is what Josh recommends. Josh says get the number. It's um, what's their bologna? Uh, mortadello. It's like mortadello and provolone on a focaccia, maybe, and you get it he's toasted. Yeah, that, that's his recommendation. Sixteen is kind of the white guy go to. I don't remember what's on it, but I think I sent you a that's photo. Provolone, salami, ham, lettuce, tomato. Yes, and I, I I broke the covenant a little bit. This isn't it's not like Long Island. I think you're not supposed to do too much cute stuff, but I mm-hmm. did add extra Parma um, prosciutto and Jesus. Oh, and then the other tip Josh gave me, I said I like a more tangy hoagie. He says Josh says get it with oil and vinegar. And so again, the full catastrophe. I got it all. And for so much of this trip, and I would always eat half of the large sandwich, and they have half in the refrigerator at our shelter. And and I and uh, no matter what we did, I always couldn't wait to get home, and the, you know because the sandwich has been sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be a little bit soggy, but you know what happens. You mm-hmm. know it really that's when the flavor develops. So I go back and I watch The Office, and I eat the other half of the sandwich. Oh, King in the Castle, it's a good ass sandwich, John. Yeah, these all look like pretty good sandwiches. Although this, I mean, this is definitely off of the. I mean, it's a, in the more modern track of like, you know, the deli one is you just, you have to make these sandwiches yourself by asking for what you want. But the more modern practices give a bunch of sandwiches a bunch of different names because. Yes, you know, yes. Okay. And you can get them, you can get them the way you want. Like my kid got it without the stuff on it. Um, but um, but it does make me want to learn more about these sandwiches. And what was the other thing about sandwiches? It's a really cute little place. Um, so that was great. Oh, I, um, I, 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 you know, I did that thing. Uh, I really recommend to anybody who travels hardly anywhere at all that likes TV, get yourself, and I'll put this in show notes. Um, it's a brand of remote control, TV remote control called Intiset, and it's a programmable TV remote. And so, because daddy's prepared, I've got the PDFs for how to use the manual, uh, to use the remote. I've also got the PDF with all the codes. So you get into your hotel room, you can look up the model, and I was able to program the TV remote exactly how I wanted that felt good. And I really nailed it. I really, and that way I don't have to touch the one that's been in a German's butt. That felt good. I like, like the babies. I like our, our family. My, uh, my daughter did some school shopping. There's a great thrift, uh, not a, you know, called a thrift store, vintage store near uh, where we'd eventually, where they would eventually be staying in Providence. 
Um, oh God, it's so beautiful there. So she got like a brown university sweatshirt. She's that guy. She, uh, but she got this really cool like military uniform jacket. She did some great thrifting because as you know, she loves to walk. She did get to do some walking around. John, it was so hot and so humid. Just like when I went out to get, I forget what I went out for. I had to get something for the family in Providence. John, it's so humid there. I'm 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 sitting in it right now. Are you living in it right now in I'm, your yes, uh, your private office outside Boston? The, you know, New England summer. Oh my God! I came back and I, I was just drenched. I'm glad I brought extra clothes. Phew. Um. Uh. So what else? Babies, good thrifting. Oh yeah. And then when we eventually eventually did uh, get to Detroit for our flight back, I took one of my uh, favorite uh, photos I think I've ever taken. I mean, the ones of my kid are my favorites, but this is we're in Detroit. We'll get to this. But I, uh, I, went to, <laughs> I went to the bathroom to micturate, and it was, there was crazy lightning outside. And so I did a little video. And there was enough lighting that I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a flyer and just try to take some photos and see if I get lucky. Um, I don't think I sent you this. I did. I saw it. Oh, but like this extraordinary iPhone photo of uh, the, the city of Detroit from the Westin Cadillac Book Hotel uh, at probably three or four in the morning. And we'll get to that. Why am I up? Oof. But I was up and I, and I micturated and I'm running the shower to try and be able to breathe. And as we'll get to, I'm having a panic attack, um, which is pretty rare for me, an actual according to Hoyle panic attack, but it was pretty bad. So I was hanging out in the bathroom and, uh, and I took those photos and that made me feel good. I thought that was a wild photo. That's a lot of lightning in one photo. I have to say, I looked at that and I thought, is there some kind of intelligence in Apple's camera where, because we know that when you use the camera app on uh, an iPhone, oh, con- like you said, it takes the reason it's good is because it takes a hundred pictures, like you said. Right. But it's a, like once you open the camera app, it's always quote unquote taking pictures. It's just a rolling buffer, frame, 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 frame. frame. Like, and then you, like a TiVo, like it's already recorded. Right. And then when you press the shutter button or whatever you want to call it, it chooses one of the things that it has already taken that's already in the buffer to decide that's the picture. But it can choose intelligently and say, like, well, if there's seven of these, you know, or 15 of these in memory, which one has a face that's facing the camera or doesn't have eyes closed or whatever? And so you took a picture right. of lightning. And I'm wondering if the camera knows what lightning is and decided to pick out everything the one. good about that photo is because of the Lord and Apple. Mm-hmm. There's 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 no, 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 no. I'm just here to tell you there's nothing, you know, and I, I've monkeyed with it a little more just to pop a little more contrast. And the version on Twitter is a little bit mashed. But like I, I would be very interested to hear that if uh, you could ask on your popular show, maybe could people could tell us yeah. about whether that's a thing that happens. And to be clear, for people who didn't read your tweet, it's a picture of lightning and a lightning storm, and it looks like lightning is hitting three separate places in this photo. Yeah, I mean, you can zoom in, and there's like, yeah, exactly. There's when you, you just see more and more lightning as you zoom in, um, and this is probably a good pivot to the final act, which is that. Um, and, and oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I'll see if I can find this for notes, but somebody on Twitter, I sent that photo and a lot of people were, had realized, and you know me, I don't like to talk about a trip until I'm home, but I guess it was pretty obvious it was Detroit. And, um, the, uh, a, a, a friend, uh, on Twitter said, uh, yeah, something like, so funny. It said, yeah, uh, Michigan right now is having its second 100 year weather event in the last month. Mm-hmm. And I was explaining to my kid what that means, like 40-year mm-hmm. flood and stuff like that. But like it was, oh man, the rain was crazy. The and we don't get lightning here. We don't get lightning and thunder hardly at all here. Cause I guess just the climate here is weird. But um, 
that becomes important in our story because we flew out of Providence. May I, may I get to this last part? Because you're Please hot. Do. I'm tired. Please do. Yes. So we're fixing to go home. Things are good. Like I got everything packed. I've, uh, we got our three kind of like check bags and I got a roller bag with like, well, you know what, John, I'll tell you what's in it. I'll tell you what's in it. You ready for this? It's, it's a roller bag. I said Briggs and Stratton, but it's actually Briggs and Riley. It's an old rolly bag of mine. And inside of it is a, 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 a bag in the bag, right? A, a cynic uh tom bin backpack that's where i put the heavy electronics that i don't want to check and might want to have that's where i put snacks that's where i put stuff like that and that's the roller bag that i'm going to stick it above or if you need to you know gate check everything's packed it's all good we went to this amazing uh i'll botch the name but we checked out of our hotel and we had ample time our flight wasn't until i think the flight was at no, it wasn't at five. It was probably at noon. Yeah, yeah, five was at noon. And so we anyway went out and we got lunch. And then we eventually, was it noon? It's kind of important to the story. But it was going to be in the afternoon. The flight would be taking off. Uh, how are you feeling at this point? It's like you've done the vacation. It was, you know, as fraught as we've just discussed. But it was good yes. seeing people. But it was a mixed environment. You weren't, it wasn't your event. Um, but now you're on your way home. So you're feeling like. I'm actually feeling strangely good. I mean, because again, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm mulling over my own definition of the full catastrophe. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, and like, you know, you couldn't say anything to my my kid or my partner the night we got there and everything felt so weird and sketchy. But I did in a completely unhelpful way say, hey, you know, tomorrow will be better. But like, you know, this maybe this will make a funny story someday that like there's this totally wild thing happening here where we met a, oh, it snapped that by a dog too. Um, an un- unhoused person's dog snapped at me. Um, but you know, I went, okay. I got to know the people who worked there who were all uniformly really nice and hardworking. And yeah, I felt like I kind of mostly made it through the full catastrophe. And I thought, you know, this is good. Like we don't seem to be sick. This hasn't, you know, it has ups and downs and had a little bit of stress, but you know, it was, it was, I guess on one hand, kind of like better than I expected. I still thought it was kind of a bad idea to have done it. But on the other hand, like I got to meet Jack and I got to meet Theo and I, I got to see, you know, uh, uh, Carlene, all the all the little kids, and it was great. Everybody in our family, all the family I care about, all seemed really mentally and emotionally well in a way that I don't think I've ever seen any any of them that mentally and emotionally well at the same time. And that made me that because it's all about me. That made me feel amazing. So trip's been good. Full catastrophe. Make it out. Go to the uh, this oh God, what is it? My, 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 Took Matinuk. I have to look it up. It's this really cool. Um, a place actually strangely near the PVD airport where we had this amazing lunch and my final lobster roll. And uh, as we get there and everything's looking pretty good, long story short, we get on the plane. So this is going to be Providence to Detroit to San Francisco. And we're, we've, we've boarded, we've boarded the plane at God, I want to say 10 AM or something. It's got to be later than that. Um, but anyway, we get on the plane and everything's good. And, and then, oh, so yeah, there's been some weather, especially where we're going, right? So we're headed to Detroit. Well, Detroit's just a mess at this point. Oh, by the way, fantastic city, fantastic airport. Oh my God, I love this airport so much. Providence, as documented in some of my Twitter photos, it'll be gone in a few days. Uh, boy, they got a lot going on there. <sighs> um, uh, that's a very regional, regional airport. No disrespect to TF Green. But, um, but no, we're thinking everything's gonna be fine. Then you get, get, then it starts happening. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we're having, having a slight delay. We've got some weather up ahead of us and the LED 
And I think what they'd said was, we're going to, we need to figure out a way to fly around this weather system, but we're not cleared for takeoff yet because of where we'd be landing, right? And this goes on, it goes on, it goes on. And, it, and we keep hearing that when they do give an update, it's usually something like, well, you know, we'll know more when we know more, but like, hey, now we can actually do this other way. But then there's this other problem, as always happens. There's always the cascade of these things. But long story short, um, we, by the time we took off from Rhode Island, you know, it was, we would be comically late for our connecting flight. And it's only a two hour flight, but yeah, this is definitely the downside of a flight with legs, but I want to get the sequence right. So when we eventually got to Detroit, it was, it was late. It was like, it was nightfall. So you, so you, you said before you were leaving Rhode Island at 10 AM. Did you mean 10 PM? No, hang on. Let me just go look this up. So I, cause it, it's important to get the facts about this, right? I'm going to trip it. I'm clicking. Oh, I, I got a new, um, I got some good new tech. I got the, um, I got the touch ID keyboard, mm-hmm. which I have on my MacBook pro, but now I have it here on my Macintosh you're computer. You're going to stick it on the underside of your desk, like all the cool kids. Um, oh, to just use for your finger. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I hadn't thought of that. And accidentally bumping with your knee to type random characters, I suppose. That sounds like me. Um, you have no upcoming trips. I know. I want to know my previous trip. Um, I went as a traveler and a trip, uh, past trips, standby. Um, and so, yes, uh, we, our flight out of Rhode Island was at, dropped off the car, went to there. Yes, here we go. Um, oh gosh, let me get this right. Was it, was it really at five? Yes. Okay, so Providence, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I was messing up two flights. So the flight from Rhode Island to Detroit um, was to have left at 5.30. That's what it was. That's what it was. And then because it was over two hours late, we arrived, you know, our, our the flight we were supposed to get was going to be 8.35 Eastern. And that had blown past. It was, it was after, I think it was after 10 we arrived. But anyway, long story short, we arrived. So now we got a couple situations on our hands. First of all, great airport. But now we've got to get a flight rebooked, which can be a little bit of a trial. And then, you know, they've said they'll, I guess they'll put us up somewhere. Well, I, I don't want to say the name of this airline, but let's just say that, you know, as long as we're talking about COVID, let's give it the name of a variant of COVID. And let's just call the airline Delta, Okay. You, you get there and you get off the plane and it's late and uh, the lines for everything are bananas. Like, and there's not, it's not like they're roaming around with clipboards. It's not like going to um, in and out Burger where they're like coming to your car to take your order. This is very much a John Mulaney, John Roderick situation where you just tough it out until you hopefully get something. Um, now, remember, a lot of flights are screwed up. Hotels, the, the hotels are mostly filled up generally. And we're, we're, this sucks. It's always the trip home that's the worst. You know, even in the best of circumstances, the last hour or two of any trip home is always interminable. So, and, and your wife just went through this. Like, there's the whole, like, we don't know how many hours it's going to be before the trip actually even begins, right? It's however long this takes, plus five hours or whatever. And so we, uh, we, got a little, we found out that the hotel we could get was 20 miles away in downtown Detroit. And we were able to get rebooked for a flight the next day, um, which flight was, I want to say, yeah, yeah. So we would get a flight the next day that was leaving at noon. No problem. Now, just in passing, 
Detroit. I really super want to go back to Detroit. We could see Canada from out of, outside of our window, which gave me an occasion to introduce my daughter to Sloan. Um, but also, you know, uh, I discovered Lafayette's Coney Islands. So, you know, like Coney's, like you get in Cincinnati, that's big in Michigan too. So I went and like something you could see from our hotel window, went out and got us Coney's. And, and we watched SVU while I got us Coney's at like, you know, midnight. It was great. All right. Now, in passing. This is reconcilable differences. Thank you. In passing, um, let's remember that uh, this is a missed flight. So all of our bags that were checked are, as they say, checked through to San Francisco. So we got no toothbrushes. We got no clothes. Um, in my case, I didn't have medicines, including medicines, most importantly in this instance, that uh, helped me sleep. What happened to bag in a bag? How are well, the medicines in the luggage? This is the full catastrophe. Yeah, I know. I agree, John. And I'm generally pretty good about that. But the other problem was, it's like, it's like at this point, like 12 or 1. And like, I wanted to make sure the family got food. So I went, hey, hey Lafayette Coney's, go check it out. I think it might be on Michigan or is that in Chicago? I think it's on. Anyway, go. Lafayette Coney's, very good. Um, amazing place. Had a signed photo of Miley Cyrus on the wall. And so um, uh, I don't want to be taking sleeping pills at one in the morning. I need to be cock of the walk to like get everything squared away for us to leave for a flight at noon. Did I mention that there were weather problems and that everything was flooded? So we were warned ahead of time, cab, black car, whatever you take, you're going to have to find somebody who knows how to get around these very unusual floods. And luckily, uh, our guy did know how to do that. But I had a very, very bad night of sleep. That included, as I said, one of my extremely rare panic attacks uh, of just like, I, where I feel kind of like I'm outside my body and I can't breathe and I'm hating life. Very unusual for me. And I hadn't had any sleeping pills like I usually take, you know, like a melatonin type thing. So I got three hours of sleep. Can you connect yeah, this panic yeah. attack to anything or is it just unspecified panic attack? Um, kind of connected. I mean, I mean other, I think other, than, of, other than the fact that you weren't sleeping, which I feel like is a prerequisite. Well, I mean, at this, at this point, well, I don't think... Well, it was just mainly that, like, I mean, John, not that anybody cares, but my body was aching. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had, is tennis elbow the one that's on the inside of your elbow? I don't think so. Oh, but anyway, I had this thing where I could barely, like, lift a cup because my right arm hurt so much, just being in these kind of, like, weird stress positions. And then and then we, so on the flight and whatever, you know, but, but it was all, we're like, okay, we're almost done. Just hang in there. This is stressful, but it's fine. Because it sucks, John. Have you ever missed a flight and had to like go find a hotel room? I don't think I actually have. The last time it happened to me, I remember very clearly, and it's, it just sucks. Like you get off the plane and like you are, it's very much like John Roderick said about United. Like you are on your own to figure mm -hmm. this out. There is no project manager or concierge that's there to say, let's make sure your, your kid gets back in time for school supplies. Um, you're really on your own. And in this instance, we went and popped for an incredibly costly hotel 20 miles away because we just wanted to be done with it and we did not trust the loving arms of delta to give us great care understandably everybody's having a really rough time right now but so at this point like oh you know fine um it's all gonna be fine so i had a terrible night's sleep and then i slept a little bit in the morning but then my wife very kindly went out and got us coffee and breakfast and uh you know we're all feeling pretty great actually like hey this is let's let's do this let's go down let's Get a coffee for the road. We'll get the black car. We'll be taken to the airport. Everything's going fine. And, you know, I'm feeling pretty great. And I think I'm, I'm doing a good job. But, you know, 
We got to the airport, beautiful airport, got through TSA. Now remember, they just had, as my friend on the internet said, two different hundred year weather events in the last few weeks. And our, our, our cab guy had said like, yeah, yeah, this is crazy. This is really unusual for like the roads to be flooded. But um, we got there. Everything seems like it's going fine. And um, and I, I'm just like, I, you know, it's very much like a soup Nazi situation where I just walk up and I put down my money and I back up and I'm just like, let's just, let's get through this. Let's get through this. So as so often happens, even with a large... 727 or whatever type plane or 747, they make the announcement where they say, anybody here that's got a roller bag, this flight is oversold. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, our flight, and you know, I was telling my daughter, watch out for the redundancies, like completely full. Everything's got to have two words for it. The flight was completely full. And they said, you know, everybody wants to get check a bag. We'll do that for you for free. I always do this because I think it helps them. And that's one less thing for me to have to like deal with on the plane. So I roll up, and I see my friend Donna at the desk, and I say, hey, looks like you're looking for gate checks. To, you know, you, we can gate check this. Donna puts a tag on. Everything is good. In fact, Donna says, and this is, I do this right as, so you've had people who need extra time and relatives. You've had, um, uh, and they actually did say this, current military or retired military, thank you for your service, they always say. And those folks have gotten on. And this is just as first class is starting to load. Now, if you've ever watched this, it's amazing. It's incredible. These are the only people on the entire plane who are guaranteed to have everything the way they want, including a place to put their bag, all those things, right? If you're in that weird nether region toward the middle, uh, uh, remind me to put in the CGP Gray video about how to board planes. Um these people are going to be taken care of, but they're always in the hugest rush to get on. Understandably, you get to go sit in a seat and have like champagne or whatever. But here's what happened. I roll up to my friend Donna and she puts the pink tag on. And I say, so I just, you know, do the usual thing. You do it by the door in there. And she said, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I said, thank you very much. She said, oh, actually, you know, if your family wants to go ahead and board right now, if you want to, she said to me, if you want to board right now, that's fine. I'm like, that would be fantastic. So I go and I collect the family and we fall into the pseudo line with all of the, the first class people in it. They, they go ahead of me. And I say, you guys go ahead because I need to drop off the bag at the door. In passing, this is my, this is what happened, right? I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, including me or others. I'm going to tell you what happened um, and just let the chips fall where they may. Okay. So. Now I'm on the jetway. Thank you very much. Family goes ahead. And I kind of I hang out for a minute by that little door area where they sometimes like to collect the bags. Um, and then I'm thinking, I want to go ask the people at the, in the, you know, the little hold of the plane, the little door, say, is that, should I stay here and kind of like, you know, uh, wait for the bag to get picked up? Like, you know, I don't want to cause any problems. Yeah, 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 you can just go back. Now, the entire time I've been coming down the jetway, there's a fellow passenger behind me. And this fellow passenger is not that this matters, is completely up in my like practically stepping on my feet in a, in a way that I found like strangely unnecessary and aggressive. Uh, whatever, you know, it's a tough time for everybody. So then we get to the door of the plane and the flight attendant is there. It says, man with a beard and a mask handing out Purell packets to everybody. And I say, oh, hi. So, so should I, should I do, can I do this here? Or do you want me to go back to the races? Or you can just go back up the jetway, and give them the bag. And I said, thank you. And this person behind me, who happened to be a retirement-ish aged woman, 
who had been all up in my grill <laughs> on the walk up there, not that it matters, literally stood in the doorway of the plane. And I, I had done the turn and I'm already doing the thing where I'm making my body slim to sort of say, can I get by? Person does not budge. I say, I beg your pardon, can I get by? And nothing happens. And then everything changed when I said to this person, could you get the hell out of my way, please? Now, I, I shouldn't have said that. That's not a nice thing to say. And it won't matter what my feeling about this person was and their, their odd entitlement and hostility. But I said to that person, would you get the hell out of the way, comma, please? And I eventually, I just wheeled my bag around through the tiny little skinny doorway where she refused to move. And I went and I uh, took it off to the door place. Now, let me pause a moment here. Knowing what you know about me, doesn't that sound like a thing that I wouldn't normally do, but it's not that far off something I would do on a bad day is to say, get the hell out of my way, please. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense in the context of the story you told so far. Wouldn't and do the, it a lot. Wouldn't do it a lot. But that's that's the kind of thing I keep moving, getting out of the way. Because I perceive this per person as being very hostile mm -hmm. or just being hostile, just being and you, and you tried to ask nicely at least once before that and got nothing. Yes. And because this is how I am, I always say ma'am and sir. And in this case, I did say please. But I did proceed that with asking this very pinched person to say, please get the hell out of my way. So I went and I got the bag and I came back. And I got my boarding pass in hand. And the same fella, flight attendant, who's got the door duty, who, let's say here, let's just make it super clear, terrible time to have this job. People are the worst. I roll up. This guy got in my face. He got real in my face. And then in a quiet voice says, would you like to me, for me to call the police and have you removed from this plane and from this airport? And if memory serves, what I said was something like, oh gosh, no, why would I want you to do that? And he said, you do not talk to anybody that way, let alone an old woman. And I said, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I apologize. I, was, I wasn't trying to start a thing. I just needed to take the bag back. But this guy was like, as we used to say, he was bull****. Like he was very angry at me. Okay. Because of what I had said and done, which was to ask this woman to please get the hell, get the hell out of my way, please. And then I, I, I tried to get through the doorway. I rolled up. Okay. I eventually go and join my family. Now, my wife and I are in one row with a stranger and my kid, because this is a rebooked flight, is in a different row further back. Doesn't matter. Rewind to the dude for a second. So he, yeah. he says, he does his big bluster thing. Don't talk to me, blah, blah, blah. You are essentially apologetic enough to say, like, what, what you said enough for him I to was, be satisfied. I was, improbably, I was improbably calm. If I were being scoped by one of those FBI guys that does the wired how-to videos, mm -hmm. I could even have been perceived to be doing cognition and perception management because I had not done anything wrong. So why would I act like I'd done anything wrong? But I do want to just get my family home and so at that, I think I apologized in this episode, this whole thing, maybe a total of, to, to the group that I would be dealing with, I apologized twice, perhaps three times. I did not over-apologize, as you'll see, because I had not done anything wrong. And what are we talking about here? And he said, and he had said, do, do, you, do you want me 
to have you removed from this fight? And I said, no, I absolutely do not. And, and like my mind is swimming a little bit because I'm thinking like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be contradictory. I don't want to sound like that kind of guy that goes like, oh, I didn't do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this will make more sense in a second, I think. But go, go ahead and continue. No, I was like, yeah, I've just, I mean, because you got past the guy. So you must have said enough for him to be satisfied that you. He, but he was, he was bristling. He was practically vibrating on a level that like, I, I didn't quite understand. And you know what I got to say, even at the moment, I remember thinking, God, this, this guy's job sucks right now. He's probably got so much crap to deal with on here. I've seen what these people have to deal with. And, you know, and I don't mean to sound condescending, but my, my main thought, well, my main thought was like, I just want to get the hell out of here and get my family out of here. Again, there's that hell word. Um, but, um, but he seemed, I have to say, like really strangely bristly. I mean, it, it makes sense as a strategy. If that's your job, one of the to strategies me, to could make be, sure that I'm not a threat and get me to not cause yeah, trouble. Well, like, for sure, so what you did is not the most egregious thing in the world, but it could potentially be a precursor to much worse things. So you really want to lay down the law. I'm like maybe I'm drunk, maybe I'm violent, maybe I'm with the right. guy on the frontier you, you, What you want to do is establish, like, look, you did a thing, not a big deal, but let me just bring down this huge amount of authority and overreaction yeah. to let you know that. Okay, but don't do anything else because we I, take which this is count. totally understandable. And like I, 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 I but at the, on the other hand, there was this part of me that's like, well, acting like I did something extremely wrong is not only wrong, but I'm not sure that would actually help that much. But I was very, um, I would like to think I was very like the way that I would be with any stranger in a uniform, which is to like be respectful. And I was just trying to say, okay, all right, you know. So I went back to my seat. A few minutes later, a bunch of guys come back that includes not that guy, but uh, sort of, uh, I'll call him the portly guy. There's the portly guy in a mask. And the other guy whom I will refer to as Captain Steubing, which is like, a, I think, a pilot. He had on the whole, like, you know, um, Frank Abagnale, like, you know, with the mortar boards and the yellow stripes and everything. And they said, come with us. Um, we need to talk to you. And I said, um, okay. I was like, should I bring my backpack? Said, no, just, just come on, come on. We're going to go meet on the jet, on the jetway. Now the Mr. Portly was mostly, and that's not important, but like, I just need to differentiate. I think let's call him Joe. And Joe was mostly like, I mean, he was not a funny, good mood guy, but he was, he was, you could tell that he was in something, something was going on here that he had to deal with. Captain Steubing was f- he was he was angry like I had just like peed on a veteran's purple heart. Angry. And I just was like, what is going on? But well, play it off a jet. You know, do what you gotta do. Family's gotta go. So we go outside, we get on the jetway. And the the guy again, pract- now it's Captain Steubing who's practically vibrating. He's very, very angry. And he says, something, how did it begin? There's something like, we're 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 probably gonna have to remove you from this fight for what you did to that woman. And I said, I, I, I probably shouldn't have said what I said, but, um, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I said, I'm not trying to be, uh, be difficult. Like I just, I just want to go home and I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry if I've, I've caused trouble here. I certainly didn't mean to. And it just continues and it escalates. Eventually they, these two go peel off to go have some kind of a secret conference. And the, 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 the pilot guy is really, really mad, which just, it seemed, 
I'm trying to like say like maybe again bad day like maybe that was worse than I thought. That's so weird. Um, and then they come back and say that okay, that's it. You're off this flight. So either either you bring your whole family off this flight and we rebook you in a few hours, or you get off this flight and we rebook you in a few hours. And at this point, I realized that something something has happened here. Something is different. And this is the first time where I'm like, oh. That's an inconvenience, but I don't want my family to get screwed with, and I don't, I don't want to unintentionally incur some kind of federal beef because I said hell to somebody in first class. I said, sir, I, 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 I okay. I'll, I said, you know what I said specifically to uh, flight attendant Joe and to Captain Steubing was, hey, this is your flight. You do your job, and I will accommodate whatever you need to do. I said, I would love to go talk to my wife for a second because I will wait for the next flight. And I would love it for my family to get to go on through. Um, I said, well, what, can I ask, like, what, what, what happened? Like, what, what was the big deal? He said, you walked up to that woman and you said, get the out of my way. And then you pushed her so hard that she almost fell. And I said, ah, uh, I'm not trying to be contradictory here, but that is not what happened. Neither of those things happened. I didn't say those. I said, listen, I, again, now understand, I, re I realize I'm, I'm screwed at this point and that this has already taken a, a turn. And she said, he said, so, so, so you're telling me that one of my crew and, and this old woman are lying? I said, I'm not saying anything like that. I don't know who came up with this is what happened, but look at me. Like I'm, I'm practically, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm made of popsicles. Like I said, I know you don't know me, but I hope you can see by the way that I am conducting myself, that that's very much not the sort of thing, uh, that I would say to somebody. It's not the kind of thing I would do to somebody. And for a lot of reasons that are too complicated to go into, I would never call a woman a even behind her back. I don't think, but it was too late. Dang, the wheels were already in motion. So I will, at this point, allow myself a tiny bit of speculation. Regardless of what kind of day that flight attendant was having, he saw me have words with somebody in first class. I honestly believe this is what happened. And I think maybe, I don't know who came up with that language and that pushing, but somehow there's a folia do where these two have decided that that's what I said to this poor old woman. And, and then I pushed her in a way that almost made her fall down. And the thing is, at that point, that was, that was the fact pattern. And nothing I said was going to help that. And I realized very quickly that was the case. So it's obvious, that you, it's obvious that you know what you said, but are you willing to entertain the possibility that in slipping past the non-moving woman, you did accidentally bump her in some way that could be interpreted on the outside as, you know, knocking over an old lady? I mean, you know what? Uh, what I will say is um, in trying to, look, can I be clear that she was literally standing in the narrow doorway of the plane refusing to move? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I would have, in the worst of um, cases, bumped her any more than two people on an escalator or any of the innumerable times that I've been hit in the head by somebody's backpack as they went down the rope. By which I mean, if I did anything, it wasn't intentional, but I sure as heck did not push her. I didn't brush her, but no, I could see how a very uncharitable and hearing this, uh, this, uh, middle-aged man say hell to, to an old lady would be upsetting. 
And I was even I was very open to the idea of like, well, shall I apologize? Because I I think there's been a little bit of a misunderstanding here. But that that ship did sailed. You, did you think of the possibility that the old lady confabricated the story and is trying to get you punished by saying this? I'm fifty fifty. I think I'm, fi- I'm and I again I'm I'm I, misunderstandings happen in life. A consequence of adulthood is sometimes it just doesn't go your way, and you don't have control over that. And that's a real good lesson to learn earlier than later. And my feeling at the time was, you know, I'm trying to be charitable and I'm trying to embrace the full catastrophe. And I'm trying to like ultimately get my family out of here without them having to go sit in the airline jail for some indeterminate amount of time. All right. And so I would allow very much that there could have been hurt, very much hurt feelings or a, um, you could have felt intimidated is you're a you know a larger adult Big male boy. you could have brushed mm-hmm. past her and she's unsteady on her feet so even though you barely touched her that she stumbled she sure she sure didn't seem worried about that when she was all up on my grill that whole time mm. and then you know i remember that this this the the point right before this turn was where i said um i beg your pardon i think you know, can, can i get by but it was accompanied by that gesture you make where you make your body little and show that you're ready. You're presenting yourself as a person who wants to be little so they can get past you without that. And that was not persuasive for her. So yeah, sure, it could be any of those things. But the fact and evidence is that the people in a position of power, the people in a position to change the way this was going to go, the people who may or may have had a really terrible day, they had a story that they believed that was not accurate. They had what turned out to be, so the Joe or whomever we're calling him, he is the supervisor of all the flight attendants. Plus, now we got a captain. So basically, something had happened with this, their uh, impression of what happened. And that got escalated to both the uh, flight attendant supervisor and the pilots of the plane. And I was told at this point, in no uncertain terms, that the crew of the plane was not comfortable having me fly with them. I mean, at this point, the details don't matter because if that's the story no. they believe, it's not like you're going to have a Perry Mason trial in the jetway and prove your case that that was, that that was not what happened. Like no. once, yeah. once, once you know that that's and that and that's really you know how I was trying to 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 roll with it and just say like okay, um, and so I did. I went in and I said, "Listen, <laughs> listen, something has happened. It's going to be fine. I am not in trouble." I said, "But they do want to book me on a later flight. I will explain this whole thing to you later." Please keep, you know, you can even, you have my permission to fib to our kid about how they needed that seat for something. I do not have time to explain to you what just happened. All I can tell you is please stay calm. Everything's going to be fine. And I'm not in trouble. And your your wife's reaction to this, by the way. Uh, I, I, she was I, very upset. Yes. Your wife's reaction to this was to tweet the word, the F word three times in all caps. Yep. Yep. Because, and like her, the tweet, and I, I, I really don't want to talk about this forever, you guys. I don't feel. I really wish I didn't have to talk about this at all. But I can't. I can't take another well-meaning DM saying, "Are you okay?" It's like, yes, I am okay. It's. I mean, or like all of our friends going, "Ooh," or f- friends and strangers who treat this like some funny anecdote as like, "Well, can't wait to hear what happened." And it's like, ah, there's a part of me that's like, God. I obviously, I really wish she hadn't done that because now, I mean, like you know, like. Like Paul and um, a bunch of people are like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm okay. You, you guys on Slack, starting to go off on our Slack. 
And it's like, well, it is kind of funny, but it's not that funny. And I really, I can't say this, but I don't want to spend my entire day. The story that I just spent 45 minutes on, I can't explain this to people all day. And it galls me that people feel like I should. Like, okay, that's the world we live in. I wish she had not tweeted that. Uh, but I mean, did you feel like the tweeting it is also her coping mechanism absolutely. for this? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. But like, and I, I told her this later and, you know, she's just empirically the best. And she just, she cares a lot about our family and she's really good. And she, and she felt bad about it. Like her tweet, she was blaming, she was blaming herself. It's not her fault at all. She felt bad because this is the way we capped off this whole trip that I thought was not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And now on top of it all, I quote unquote yelled at somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ha ha, was it about wearing a mask? Yes, it's all very funny. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad my personal inconvenience has now been, you know, conflated mm-hmm. into a statement about society, but you, know, you do you. But um, <clears throat> my main thought, and I told her this, I said, I feel like I had to operate on a couple of levels. On the one hand, I had to operate on the level of giving you enough information to know what was going on. But I said, I did feel also the need because you're about to have five hours without any, like knowing anything that happened. And, and you know, I said later on, like, I, I wish I had more time to tell you more, but what am I going to do? And, and then with Captain, with, uh, in this case, uh, what I call him Joe or whoever standing there, I don't have time to go into a lot of detail about what happened, that I think there's been a misapprehension, that it's unjust, because guess what hearing that would make you feel? if you just heard your husband got thrown off a plane over a misunderstanding. Yeah. You, you, you don't want her to now. Now she's going to go plead your case or yell and at somebody. And she's going to be like, understandably like losing her goddamn mind to where she's the one who's mm-hmm. going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And my kids there watching all of this happen. And so then, you know, of course, once I was off the plane, as we'll get to in just a sec, um, I was texting her and saying like, I can't tell you a ton about this yet, but there was a misunderstanding about this. I'm just going to get a later flight. It's absolutely not a problem at all. Please focus on you. And our kid, like, just keep it between the lines. We'll talk more about this later. But I didn't didn't feel the need to, like, defend myself, because what would that do in this situation? It is what it is, as they say. You don't don't want to be stoking her sense of injustice as she stews on that flight, right? No, that's that's why I said I felt like I was operating, like, towing a line, operating on a couple levels of, like, not to be condescending, but just to say, like, I know how I am. It's a fairly recent revelation for me that for an anxious or upset person, um, new information is not really as helpful as it feels. Like, you know, so like if there are things that cause you stress and, and anxiety and you ameliorate that with trying to get more information, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get enough information to realize how little, you inf- little information you have. And if you don't have access to that, it makes you insane. Do you, do you feel like you are in touch with what was going on that sort of sets you off with the intransigent woman? Like, because in the grand scheme of things, as you noted, things were basically going, okay, you were boarding the flight, it was on time, or you were going to do all your things like I, I I treated her better than that guy had treated me at the gate back in San Francisco. Like, this is, the, the way people act in an airport is just ex- execrable. Uh, do I wish I could undo it? Yes, but just for reasons, primarily for reasons of like that's not the kind of person that I am. But further but, 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 to that, yeah, though, exactly. Like it doesn't seem I'm not like the kind a of person thing... who says the f word to someone and, and like shoves them. So, so, setting aside the misunderstanding part of it, the yeah. or the or the you know incorrect characterization of what went down. Still, what went down was you switching from normal in public politeness mode to being fed up and saying, oh, and then. Yes, you know, very the, much so. Right. And so yeah. that switch, mm-hmm. did you feel like at that switch, it was just like, 
the accumulation of events or like the an anxiety that we all feel as we get closer and closer to the airplane door to boarding, the fact that you got on and now you had to get back off, even though you lost the lady up there where you're supposed to do with the bag. In the moment or like right now? Well, I, either way, like I know, I mean. It, it but making... in the moment, I just thought, God, this person is such a d like what, you know, what? Was, and, was this like, person making eye contact with you? Did they have a hearing problem and didn't actually hear what you were saying? Or I were mean, they like snarling at you? And... Certainly could be, but um, I, I'm, I've got to be honest. I'm going to, I'm going to excuse myself from providing too many theories of what happened. I do have a theory of what happened. I, one, a theory that I have of what happened is however that story was developed it's like game of telephone <laughs> oh i mean perhaps perhaps but like i i mean i don't feel great saying this and it doesn't make me look good but i think this airline's bread is buttered by million milers and first class first class again see also wendover and cgp gray lots of videos about this and how you how you make money with an airline um it's not really so different from you and i talking about college and cannon fodder so, like, if I were going to have just a very general thing, um, somebody was having a bad day. I guess maybe we were all having a bad day. And somehow that got turned into, I don't even want to say it, you do not treat people in first class like this, is the feeling that I got. I mean, I, I, I totally uh, think that's definitely a fact. But, like, the fact that the crew members actually seemed angry, like, crew members, uh, I would imagine if it was just that crew members would be like, oh, like, the stupid first class people. So you're talking here more about the, like, what, what, how did, what happened while I was away? Yeah, like, what cause they, cause they sound, it yeah. sounded like they were legitimately angry and believed the thing they were telling you versus, oh, I have to, uh, I have to do what the, what the rich customers Well, say. that's where the telephone gets interesting because, and again, like, I'm not here to, like, I, I'm really not trying to cast an aspersion or to reframe myself as any kind of character other than who I am, which is what I've got. It's it's more to say I don't think that's I don't think that's productive and useful here. But based on what I know about life, um, I I think that game of telephone. If I had to trace it back, like in my heart, I think it's the flight attendant who was understandably like not wanting to have somebody hostile, seemingly hostile to him on his flight. Um, but like once that got escalated with that short anecdote, which was not accurate, once that got escalated to the supervisor and the captain, it like he sort of implied it doesn't matter if it's true. It's like oh gosh, we we need to like really we need to like excise this. Character. Yeah, if that, if that beardy guy, if your interaction upon returning to the plane with that beardy guy, he decided that you were trying to just not flex, but just like not bend as much as he wanted you to, he's then free to say anything he wants to those other two guys to get you off this plane. Well, and like, I, I can't discount what other people think happened. I can only tell you what happened, what did happen. Mm -hmm. And I can ask somebody like, say you to ask yourself, which, which or what parts of this seem plausible or not. And if you, if one imagines uh, myself as somebody who goes around saying, get the out of my way, and pushing somebody, well, I uh, don't know what to tell you because that's not a thing. So however it happened, it happened. Uh, I wish it had gone differently because my life became, I mean, who, who would pity this particular condemned man? But at that point, my life got a lot more thorny, um, but, which is just to say that now I'm in this now I'm I'm in the, the I've already been in the tender mercies of the the Delta Airlines Corporation of Atlanta Georgia, but now like 
my mind starts getting a little crazy. I've had three hours of sleep and I'm thinking, what, 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 what do I do now? Like what happens now? Um, so can I, can I, can I just kind of blow through this mm-hmm. and I'll answer anything you want to ask. Um, I, um, so I got off and I said, um, I said to the guy, I, this is probably dumb, but cause it, it's really at this point. It's, it's, I was going to say all over, but the shouting, but it really is all over. But now I'm still, I'm with, um, Joe or Paul or whatever I call him, the supervisor guy who had told me he can, he will rebook a flight for me. And I said, I said, Hey, look, um, that didn't happen the way it seemed, but I'm really sorry. I'm legitimately sorry that this is something that you have to deal with right now. I know it's crazy here right now. There's a lot going on, but like above all, like I'm, I'm sorry that happened and that this is something that you have to deal with. And I don't know what I expected him to say, but he was like, mm-hmm, yeah. And kind of, kind of goes back to it. Like he's got a job to do. So, but I did say, Hey, um, I gate, this all started with me gate checking my roller bag and I do need to get that back. He says, well, no, that'll be checked through to San Francisco. I said, well, you know, it does, and it just, it's got a lot of costly electronics and some medicine that I need in it. So could I please get that back? And that was like a whole thing. So long, long, long story short. Uh, so the plane's fixing to take off. It is surprisingly delayed. So I'm just sitting there saying nothing because I'm going to, this guy has my, future in his hands. I don't want to provoke him. I'm not going <laughs> to go tell him I want a different window seat, but I would like to get my bag and I would like to get rebook, rebooked on the next available flight. So eventually, uh, so on the one hand, so he, he cuts me this um, uh, boarding pass that's like a uh, standby for a 445 flight. And then in addition, there's also, he's like, you're booked for a 9 p.m. Eastern flight, but if you can, if we can get you on this 445 flight, We'll get you on that. And I said, well, you know, thank you very much. That, like, I, I appreciate you taking care of that. I know you're busy. Um, and eventually, uh, he got his dudes to go find the bag. The bag has to go to baggage claim. So I got to go to baggage claim and wait for my bag to show up. And, and that, that, that leads to the rest of the afternoon, which was mostly uneventful. But, you know, I'm mostly hanging out and trying to, like, develop the right tone to keep things, you know. I mean, I wouldn't want to. If I was in that situation and they grabbed my wife and took her off, I'd be freaking out. And so I didn't want to say things. And I, I did say things like, I really am fine. Like I've got, I've got a computer and an iPad and a debit card, and I'm just going to like drink water and hang out and play with Obsidian because I've just learned to play with Obsidian. Did you find it a little bit of a relief to be on your own? I think I know if I was in that situation, despite the fact that obviously you don't want to be separated from your family and you might be worried about but they weren't in danger out. or anything. Right, and I actually but, did but, say to the guy at one point, can you sh- just, you know, I know it's not your job, but can you just assure me that like they're not going to get hassled or anything? No, no, they're fine. So, yeah, no, a relief in terms of like, mm, I mean, but you uh, just had mom... yourself to worry about that. You didn't have to worry about like. Oh, he... in terms of like, had they been removed as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. God, yes. Oh no, that's that's absolutely a huge relief. And just to pat myself on the back, regardless of how anybody regards what happened or how it happened, I was really proud of the way I'd handled it. I think I'd been a gentleman about it, and I I think I was not undignified and i think i wasn't i wasn't to the extent possible you know i've said this before john i said this to uh to kimberly and to um uh, suzanne today i said you know i do want to be liked by the customer service person and in every situation i go into it trying to be the person you least minded dealing with today that really is my mo in life um and i do want the waitress to like me um, and I think I conducted myself pretty well, given what the circumstances were. 
but that's just my own self-assessment. I mean, setting aside the the lady, which is like whatever. Um, that's that's a black box, came, when, though. That's that she's the MacGuffin of this story. Right. In some when ways. you when you came back and were confronted by the guy at the door, I feel like that was the only place where perhaps if you had been more obsequious or whatever, that I've wondered. I've if I if I said I'm so sorry. I'm, I, you know, if I had like bent over backwards to say, and also understand, John, at this point, we're still many minutes, several minutes away from me learning what he, quote unquote, thinks I said. Right. But you can tell he's angry, right? And it feels like- oh, he was you, very that, angry. That, yes. At this point, you're also kind of feel somewhat justified for being snippy with the lady because she was very annoying and it wasn't that long well, ago. Well, so I don't know if I feel justified. If I had been myself, no, no, I would No, I mean, like in anything. that moment when you, it happened two seconds ago, you went, you got the thing, you come yeah. back, the guy's hassling you at the I door. I didn't think it was a big deal at all. I thought she was being kind of a d- and I treated her like she was being kind of a d- and- uh and so that's why you weren't inclined to be like, oh, I'm so no. sorry. It's just, you know. That would be so weird. But I'm mean, trying to think of a, of a good plot. I'm thinking of a French drawing room comedy. One of those, as Ebert, no, Siskel, as Siskel would say, be, be you know, be, be, be leery of any story or play or movie where the entire plot is driven by one misunderstanding that would be very easy to uh, repair. But in this instance, I'm trying to think of a good example of this, but um, I'll have L'Esprit de Scalier later and remember it. But like, no, I, I thought I, I thought we were having a different conversation. If he thought, if he really believed on evidence and information, if he believed that I had done what he said I had done, I could see him being real mad. But here's the other thing. If he actually really was that concerned, like really Okay, how about this? You ever notice this? This is a very Cory Doctor thing. What happens when you go to the airport and you got a big-ass bottle of water and you forgot about it, right? You go through the thing. You can't have more than three ounces of water because, it, you know, let's be honest, it might be an explosive. So what do they do with that water? You take that water and you throw it in a bin with all of the other potential explosives that are around thousands of people, which kind of puts a lie to the whole idea that they really think any of that is explosive because Why? Because if they thought your bottle of water was actually explosive, a series of events would go into motion that are not the typical way you move through TSA. If this guy was that worried that I had caused a disruption and that the flight crew should be scared to have such a loose cannon on their plane, why was he talking to me at all? You know what I mean? Because I, mean, yeah, I, like, I, think, I think you might be right in the sense of like, if I had... If I, again, maybe bad day, who knows? If I had bent over backwards in a way that suited him, mm-hmm. it might have been bad, but not as bad. Yeah, because I feel, I feel like he felt like you were putting up some resistance in that conversation. And that's what I would imagine if that what actually went down would set, set him off. I was, I was pretty, I, w- I won't say I was obsequious, but I was, I was certainly not a sass mouth. I was not denying anything that happened at this point. There's nothing to really deny. We're having two different conversations. You think I assaulted a senior citizen, and I think I, I said something slightly curt to a person who should probably have more people say slightly curt things to them. And please and do remember that it ended with the word please. But you're, you're, you, might, you might be right. I don't, know, I don't know how it happened, but I don't know. Once I had, uh, had the temerity to ask this person to please let me get by, I don't know what could have changed this. But, but, you know, not that it matters, but if this guy had genuinely grave concerns that I was going to, that I, that the flight crew, which he described as a monolith, had a reason to think I was a scary person to have on a flight, 
Um, well, I would hope he would be even more assertive if he believed that. If he said, if he said you took out a gun and pointed it at her head, I don't think we'd be having that conversation. Right. I feel like he was he was sort of testing t- what kind of person is this? Is this the is this the type of person who just I was probably like, way too calm. I I f- did not feel he was, I, he was assessing your demeanor. Like, is this the type of person mm-hmm. who's gonna potentially give me a problem later? So let me just pu- push up in their face and yep. Try to yep. see that. And because and that's the test. The test is like what they did may or may not have been that bad. But are they the type of person who is going to be resistant so that later in the flight when we're in the air and it's much more difficult to do with these things are they going to be the resistive type person? Yeah. And then from how we get from there to the story about you and everyone else, involved, who knows? But you can see how anyone involved in that chain could decide like like what is it? The the brown M&Ms you just talked about uh, yes. a couple weeks ago on, on Dubai Friday, right? There, what, there whatever, are like whatever you do, don't eat my potato chips. Like it becomes like things a, that yeah. are part of the practice of the trade that seem silly, but are used as a test to see whether something more difficult could be going on. And you could have just run afoul of that of that heuristic. It's a tracer conversation, you right? Know, like when and, you shoot artillery, every sixth is a is a light, so you can see where you're shooting. And you didn't know you were having that conversation, but that's what that Correct. person was doing. And you turned up on the wrong side of that, and at that point, it's a foregone conclusion that you're off this thing, and anyone can make that happen really easily. Based on the telling and allowing for 20 to 40%, I just got it wrong. Do you, do you feel like, that's a dumb question. Do you feel like there's something I could have said to that person that would have made any part of this better that I didn't say? Which person? The flight attendant, the in, instantiating. Uh, yes, absolutely. Attendant. Yeah. What, what could I have said differently? Be more, be, be more apologetic. You would have to, whatever test that they're giving you to see, is this the type of person who's going to give me a problem? Whatever they were looking for from you that you didn't yeah. give them, you needed to give them that. Well, that's what like, I'm asking, though, is like, because I mean, just to be super clear here, I was actually, this is the beauty of ADHD or the curse, is that once something is happening and the dopamine is charging, like it's practically a superpower, how focused and on point you can be and centered. I, and I think that probably you, your demeanor in this situation probably looks unexpected or if especially if he believes what he said he believes yeah or maybe he didn't have a good view of whatever but that type of demeanor can read like in the same way like dogs when they're very still like that that could feel they're calm or there could be they're about to to bite like Like, they're deciding fight flight or yeah you know one it could have been massively misreading you but two your demeanor could have just fallen on the wrong side of the thing that he's checking for and three he just could have been having a bad day and been pissed off and decided this guy's off the plane i think he's I think he was, I think it just, it sucks. And if that were me and I had been having the bad day that he might've been having, I could very well have thought the very same thing, which is, you know I mean, what? You, I were, mean, you were having a bad day, but you snapped at an old lady because she wouldn't move out of your way. Like, well, but she was a <laughs> Sure, but lots of times yeah. you, if you're having a better day, does you Does it matter endure, that she's you, old? You, you I should have been more respectful matter. of the person who yeah, was deliberately presenting this hostility for no reason. Right. I, yeah, I know. But like when you're, when you're having a better day, it's easier to deal with people who are being jerky, right? Maybe. So the, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, sure, but sure. You, you were essentially disproportionately punished for, for doing something rude briefly. Yeah, and, but it still, it, it does really bum me out that like, and again, I don't want to talk about this forever. It happened. I'm mainly talking about this because my poor wife said what she said. And I do feel like people would, would probably like to hear what happened. And I'm telling you my version of what happened. I don't mm-hmm. want to make this into a thing. Let's just, can we please? Um, but um, you're probably super right, but you know, it's like they say in that movie, The Rules of the Game. The terrible thing in life is that every man has his reasons. And sometimes you're having a bad day. And I, I'll say if I was that guy and I 
saw and heard what I what he says he thought he saw and heard, I could very well see him almost like a cop getting the opportunity to like beat the crap out of somebody who he feels like is part of the system that makes his life difficult. I don't think it's good. I'm not excusing cops or this guy, but like I'm trying to assume uh, a good heart and best interests. But there's also a part of my brain uh, the, on the on the finally when I did get a flight later and I did fly out at nine. Uh, that night didn't get on the standby. That's that's a whole different story. But when I did fly out, the guy in my row and and uh, and that wasn't Donna. It was this wonderful Muslim woman who was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get you on this plane. You go nine o'clock, and we'll get you in an exit seat." And I was like, "Wow, that's really nice of you. Thank you." Because I guess there wasn't a black mark on my record that she. Yeah, I was saw. gonna say if, if the result I wondered, of this, believe is... me, I wondered all day if I was getting followed, if I was gonna get well. I when I landed, get pulled off the plane. Given the way their systems work. It could be that there will indeed be a black mark, but it takes like three days to get into the system. Well, that's not going to be a problem. And you'll notice what I haven't done all along is rant about this particular company. I was going to say, these... if you're going to be banned from one airline, you get the right run to be banned from. That's a good one. Well, number two, after United. United, why don't you go ahead and, and preemptively ban me? Because you literally are <laughs> the worst. Um, but, you think um, United's worse than Delta? I do. You, you uh, don't? No, I don't. Maybe that's based on where we fly and what, where we fly through. Maybe, maybe I lived in Atlanta too long. Well, I, the thing was, when I lived in when I lived in, and flew living in the South, um, at least at the time in the 90s, there was a lot of stuff that was literally only U.S. air. And you go through, what, a Carolina, right? You go through Charlottesville, but you go through somewhere in, in one of the Carolinas. And like, oh man, what a garbage airline. Well, I, I flew first one time on a U.S. air there was gum on the seat, and it was basically like a slightly nicer bus, like a nicer Greyhound. But um, no, no, I don't know. I don't know if that happened. But like, uh, so she, anyway, the point being that this very nice woman who had just been through this, these four poor women at, at uh, what was it, at um, gate A6 had just dealt with so many incredibly annoying people, including the woman who wanted a different window seat. I'd just been through this whole thing. And one of them had gotten chewed out because got chewed out on the phone by a supervisor because she'd given the 800 bucks to somebody when she didn't need to. That's what they're dealing with. That's completely mental. But I'm in my room on the way, on the way back. And we'll, we'll skip the rest of this, but Jesus Christ. That thing about the last two hours of a flight being the worst. John, remember, I've had three hours of sleep at this point. I was so goddamn tired. I was, it was like, do you remember being like 14, 15, being like eighth or ninth grade? And you just cannot stop stop yourself from falling asleep in like second period. That was this. And it sucked. Um, but I was on the window seat. There's a very nice man who mostly slept in the middle seat. And the guy, when they came up to give snacks and stuff, the guy on the, Oh, he bought your, no, it was, he bought uh, earphones with his Delta credit card. And this woman, like the, our, the flight attendant lost her <laughs> congratulating this man on his life. It was, it was embarrassing how over the top she was about the fact that he's a million mile Delta person, right? And do you want more snacks? And oh, huh. and like, it was just so weird and so performative. And in the same way that when they make that announcement at the beginning about the credit card, the completely unnecessary using your Delta American Express or whatever, I think that was for him. And I think it was for everybody else to get to perform how good Delta is to our most profitable <laughs> passengers. And I really, when that happened, maybe I just had, you know, this on the brain, but I was thinking like, huh, that's, they sure do love their big flyers. Uh, anything, uh, give me some comments. And uh, this, uh, from the very beginning, John, you have been, you've been honest, you've been candid with me. 
when you had that question for Back to Work, you asked me a really difficult question on the Wide Merle and Quidditch book episode, and you were totally right about all of it. What's your, uh, I mean, don't, don't, you know, bury me here, but like, what's your, what's your thought on this? I mean, my thought is that, like I said before, you, uh, you know, made a, in the grand scheme of things, fairly small mistake, had a human moment where you snapped at somebody uh, for a thing that partly was their fault, but partly was the accumulation of lots of other crap that came before. That's the same reason anyone snaps at anybody about something. Uh, And in the end, that snowballed into a disproportionate uh, punishment for it, because it makes no sense for for what happened to be a consequence of what you did, Um, except in if there was like unless there was some kind of expectation that, you know, like unless you unless you went into this knowing that, hey, if I'm rude to someone in first class and get kicked off the flight. But how can that be an expectation? It's not a thing that we've ever read about or known about or hasn't. You know, it's like so I don't you know, you you made a very small mistake uh, and you got a very big punishment for it. Which sucks, but that's life sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you, you know, what you didn't do is poop on the uh, the the lunch tray and, you know, escalate it to the point where people are tackling you in the aisle and all sorts of stuff like that, which is very often how these things go down. Because you can imagine yes. those people who are in those situations also feel exactly the same way you did, which is I did a small thing wrong. Right. This but is their so, reaction this is so, to it is, is so to, unjust. Their, yeah. their reaction to it is to escalate to the point where they're going to jail. Uh, and you didn't do that. So thumbs up for that. Um, and, you know, everything you described leading up to that had put you into a place where it's not ridiculous that this, you know, that this would have happened. I do think probably as a person listening to this podcast, as well as being on it, that uh, your description of events and exactly how Kurt and how annoyed you were with this woman probably is is colored by your view as the person telling it. But by no yeah. means do I believe that you that you don't understand that you for, had forgot that you had cursed out this morning. <laughs> you know, so that's- I, I mean, like all I, I mean, like it's okay. So like the, the the bumping pass part, like it's entirely possible that my roller bag hit her roller bag. Right. Well, and, I mean, and, I, I guess so. But she, I, I can just stumbled. tell you to a certainty what I said very sarcastically was. Could you get the hell out of my way, please? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, d- I don't doubt that at all. But yeah. it, it is easy to imagine that you, that when you brush past because all people are unsteady, that maybe she stumbled a little bit and then that was enough to get this That's ball That's a good point. That's a that's a really good point. Right. And uh, unintended, and I, maybe I didn't even see that. Yeah. In the end, I feel like if the, the amount of understanding, you know, again, who, who has an unlimited font of understanding, maybe not these flight crews or whatever, but like, Yeah. It, it, this all could have gone down much worse, but it all could have gone a lot better too, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah absolutely. It, 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 you know, you just you got the short end of the stick this time, and so in, yeah. in the end, yeah. it all worked out. Everyone came home safe. You survived, and, and I think it's important that you got your bag back because I feel like that would have been even worse if they. It was given so much easier to spend that many hours in an airport having a way to charge things. You know, <laughs> it sounds so dumb, but the ability to like again play with obsidian. Um, I was, and yeah. that, I said that to my family, like, you know, I got ways to occupy myself. This is a really cool airport. Oh yeah. Or, or like, imagine you, if you had been stuck there for three more days and you had, didn't have any of your medicine. Well, and imagine like it had happened when my kid was a baby where it would have been so much worse. There's so many people going through so many trials and travails in all of these airports, all these planes with like bringing all these kids along. One of the people at, um, the Detroit gate who one of those sand people that really wanted the eight hundred dollars? It was a, uh, I think, I think they were Muslim, a Pakistani probably family of four, and he he just stood. I'm sure anybody who flies has seen this. The person who knows there's the possibility of getting cash out of a later flight, and they just go and stand at the desk with their boarding pass in their hand, 
you know, like they're waiting to receive an OBE or something. Um, but, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that I will probably for a long, and I really don't, I don't want to spend the rest of my life thinking about this because I feel like I know who I am and like what happened is not outside the range of who I am for better or for worse. What that person said I didn't said is very much outside the range of who I am. And so that leaves me in a position and I, I don't think that's cognitive bias, but it could be, but I do find myself in the position of going like, I wonder, I wonder how this went from this to that in like two minutes. Yeah, I mean that's that's not under your control. Like, but uh, I, I do feel like this whole encounter is going to leave you primed to like say you went through this, and then mm -hmm. on the next flight, the exact same situation come up. First of all, you definitely wouldn't snap at the old lady again because you had just gone through that. And second of all, if something like this did happen, the second encounter you would handle very differently because despite the fact that this is not particularly fair that this happened to you, it does actually teach you mm. something about okay, if this ever comes up again, I guess now I. Have a little I more experience. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know how, if, I, I hope you've heard, the listener has heard other episodes of this show before, other things that I've done, but ladies and gentlemen, the jury, ask yourself, which one sounds more like me? Um, so that's what leaves me in this position of like, I, I, I'm sure there are things I could do differently, but, and this is part of the full catastrophe maybe, is that the guy who did that and the guy who had that entire day is me, for better or for worse. Like I didn't, I didn't like try to, I'm not trying to defend myself and I'm not trying to soft soap it. But as I've tried to say to my kid at the very important age and stage in which she lives right now is a, is a, is a really trite Merlinism that I think is important, which is be careful about who's allowed to tell you who you should be. And I, I think I've lived my life as a person who doesn't yell at old ladies this particular day, and I'm not sure how much that matters, but fine. Like, imagine like Clara Peller, the where's the beef lady. Imagine her getting thrown against the door by me, because that's a thing I do all the time, I guess. But I do also think that, yeah, you're, it's, it's good to learn. The part that twists my melon a little bit, though, is like, w apart from just being nicer to people, which I already am, what am I to glean about how I would have gotten out of my punishment if it was based on some Kafka-esque idea of what, you know, what happened? I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not sure that was savable at most any point. No, it, it absolutely was savable because like, it, even when you told the story at With the guy in the point, beard. With the guy it, in the it, beard. Yeah, yes. Even as you told the story at even various I, points. Even I thought you, something else was it, happening. At various points, you mentioned um, that at this point I had done nothing wrong, but you had, you'd been slightly rude to an old lady. Like that's what you had done. Not, it's not the end of the world. So being, even if I take, I disagree like kind of with that, but even if I had done that, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's I what you did. Uh, you were slightly rude right. to an old lady. Is that punishable by being kicked off a flight? I don't think so. I was I think slightly that's rude to somebody who was being a Exactly, right. But the, the society rules are when people are jerks, you don't get to be a jerk back. You just have to tolerate their jerkiness and, and mm. smooth yeah. over it. Like, mm, that's the yeah, yeah. that's the, the whole thing, right? And That's how they get you. Yeah, yeah. I know. And so once you were came back to the beardy guy and he's confronting you about this, there's some part of you that's saying, you know what, I was justified in, in saying that because this lady was being a jerk, No, right? no, no, John, I'm not saying I was justified at all. I, I'm saying that even if you assume the worst intentions about what actually happened, I don't know how we get from, can I, can you please cede part of the doorway so that I can roll my bag past you? I just, I still don't, under, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be, yeah, I know. John, I, I, I'm not trying to be contradictory. I know your job is difficult right now. I know it's, we had crazy weather last night. Can you even believe it? 
Yeah. But anyway, like it's yeah, some sometimes there's no win. Like it's very difficult to tell. It was a good it was a good it was a good trip. There was a lot of there's a lot of good babies. I yeah, of course I was I was unfailingly polite for the rest of the day because at that point I had moved into Hawaii. Yeah, it's it's like when you you know, if you get pulled over a police officer for speeding, like the the rest of your drive, you're gonna be carefully observing the speed limit the whole time, you know what I mean? Well, or like imagine that you're in uh in Kafka's uh, novel The Trial. Is, is another thing that you could imagine. And you're still trying to figure out what form you need to fill out to find out the thing that you're being charged with. But you know, you could do it better next time, but there won't be a next time. Hopefully not on Delta. 